And we are on air for Pocono's NASCAR Race Review with Hot Topic Sound Off uh, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I think our promo says 10 p.m. It's actually at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, be sure to tune in for that. We're going to start with a very quick Arkham Art Series review of Pocono. Uh, at 8.40, our guest Seth Wise will be joining us. And we'll talk about, talk about his victory as a uh, SRL Pro Late model driver. And then we'll review the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series all at Pocono Raceway this weekend. And the Cup Series actually had two races uh, this weekend with two different winners. So uh, 10 o'clock or 9.30 is our Hot Topic Sound Off segment. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, having uh, our fan for racing crew on board and talking about the hot topics from the weekend of racing. Let's start with the Arkham Menard series. Um, we've got uh, Corey Heim uh, was the winner of the Arkham Menard series race this weekend. Uh, and I'll tell you what, we've got a very uh, tight competition going on between Corey Heim and uh, Ty Gibbs. Uh, these guys are going toe-to-toe, if you will, in the Arkham and Art Series, and uh, we have a lot of uh, really fun things going on. Um, now, Corey Heim uh, is the guy on top right now. Uh, he was able to win this race that kept him in the points lead uh, for the Arkham and Art Series uh, by about four points, I believe. So uh, just to kind of go over the rest of the top uh, 10, uh, you had uh, Corey Heim finishing in first. Ty Gibbs came in in second. And then uh, behind them, uh, rookies, uh, I'm sorry, Chandler Smith finished third. Nick Sanchez, I'm sorry, it was Drew Dowler finishing third for his fifth top five finish this year in the Arkham Menard Series, Nick Sanchez finished fourth, and Bad Moffat rounds out the top five. Um, Moffat still has that 27-point edge over Sanchez for third place in the standings. Then there was Kyle Seed, Angie Jakowiak, uh, Jade Buford, Sean Kaur, and Ryan Huff, who round out the top ten there. Uh, there were five cautions Three of those cautions were for accidents uh, that happened in the race. So uh, just to go over the series point standings, um, whoops. Just to go over the series point standings, I still don't have Sal here. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, again, this is last year's point standings. I want this year's point standings. <laughs> okay, for 2021, Corey Heim has the lead. He has 400 points, and it is just four points over Ty Gibbs, followed by Thad Moffitt uh, at 52 points, so that gives you an idea of what the spread is there. Nick Sanchez at 79 points, and Drew Dollar at 119 points back. Uh, the next five drivers, well, uh, 
the next five drivers are Kyle Sieg, D.L. Wilson, Jack Wood, Brad Smith, and Tim Richmond rounding out the, the uh, top ten drivers there. So um, in that regard. Okay. Uh, not sure what's happening with Sal here. Uh, let's see if we can get him here. Um Okay, so uh, anyway, the, it, it is a very tight contest in the Arkham Menard series. So uh, if you have not seen these races, I strongly recommend that you tune in uh, because uh, these two drivers are really putting on a big show. And there's a lot of other racing that are going on uh, throughout that race. Uh, now, the next time that the Arkham Menard Series is racing is July 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time at Elko Speedway. That is also a Sioux Chief Showdown event, uh, and it will be televised on MAV-TV. This weekend, it's the Arkham Menard Series West that's racing July 3rd, uh, which is 10 p.m. Eastern Time at Irwindale Speedway, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, and that is available on NBC Sports Track Pass for those members. The Arkham Menard Series East will be racing their next race on July 24th, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern at Iowa Speedway, and that race as well will be on uh, MAV TV. So a lot to look forward to with the racing here in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, congratulations to Corey Heim on his victory. And uh, Sal made it. So I'm going to bring him into the queue here and say welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. I was just I'm still trying to recover from the my my last month adventure. <laughs> Yes, I, I can appreciate that. Oh, man. The yes. heat, now, the heat had occurred this past weekend for the SRL race took its toll. Yes, and we have a guest coming on, on at, seven, at 840. So why don't you yeah. tell us, do the setup for our next guest, Sal? No, he's coming on at uh, 630. We won't be able to do it at 6.30 because I have hot topics at 6.30, so I mentioned that okay, to well, you. They've oh already gosh, been informed, well. so I thought he was coming on at 8.40. Okay. Um, I guess let's just keep going on. Let me see if I can get him to call in right now. Okay. Um, so Seth Wise is a, a, a pro late model driver with the SRL series. He had a victory apparently this weekend at uh, Kern County Raceway. Was it Kern, Sal? Yeah, yes, it was Kern County Raceway. It was, it was for the it was for the Spears SRL Southwest Tour, this pro yes. pro model division. And if I he has his own race team, uh, <clears throat> but I saw congratulations uh, for Campbell Motorsports too. Is that a different race? You know, actually, him and Derek, uh, the, the owner of Campbell Motorsports, Byron Campbell, Seth lives across the street from Byron. So um, okay. that's kind of why I did it like that, because um, Derek also coaches him and helps him out. 
So, um, but I, I just put Campbell Motorsports, you know, because Byron kind of talked about the um, uh, uh, Wingfoot because that's the street that he lives on. So he said the Wingfoot boys. So I just kind of ran with that. Oh, I got you. As far as okay, the, um, so that's the connection with Campbell Motorsports. And, uh, yes. it, wow, you couldn't ask for a better coach than Derek Thorne. So that's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, Derek, yeah, Derek's helping out a lot of drivers and um this season. He's actually helping out, I think, three drivers. And, yeah. Um, well, hopefully he'll be able to call in so we can talk to him. We've got a really loaded night tonight um, with our, our uh, review because, as I mentioned earlier, the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and two NASCAR Cup Series races this weekend at Pocono Raceway. So uh, we'll see if we can't talk to Seth sometimes uh, in between those reviews, um, but hopefully he'll be able to call in soon. Have you heard from yeah, him? Yeah, I, I sent him. A, no, I sent him a message. So it's just a matter of just waiting for him to to respond. Um, let me see. Okay. Well, it's five forty right now, so he's probably going to call in right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Um, I see the little circles, you know, the little uh, circles that go back and forth. Oh, okay. So he's responding to you. Okay, so Seth yeah. Wise had a big win. Was this his first win, Sal? Yes, it was his first win in the in the in the uh, series. So. Um, okay, so that's pretty big. And can you give us yeah. an idea of his age? He's probably, I think, Seth is around 16 years old. He's still a, he's still a young, you know, still a youngster, um, coming up through the ranks mm-hmm. and um, and chose to run the, uh, you know, some pro lights. I think he did some junior late model racing last year too. So okay, uh, he is here kinda, now. Kinda, if you want to go ahead and okay. bring, go ahead and do the introduction. <clears throat> yeah. So anyways, our our guest for tonight is Seth Weiss. Uh, congratulations, Seth, on the on the big win this weekend at uh, at uh, Kern County Speedway. I know what it's like to not only to to be a part of the SRL Pro Late Model Series, but also the um, the competition level that that goes along with being you know part of the uh, part of the um, um, series itself. So. Uh, with that said, we just want to welcome you to the show and um, and uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about the um, about what went on on, uh, on Saturday night to get the win. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This, uh, it was definitely a great weekend, you know. Uh, it was our first time to that track, running with a Sears Pro Late model. We've been running a few races with them, traveling up and down uh, the West Coast right now, but... You know, it was, it was great. It was a fun weekend. We we, we got the car right on Friday, and uh, you know, it just it it was a it was a really good weekend. The car had good speed all weekend. Um, Saturday night we qualified fifth, which is really good with a a bunch of really good guys like Jeremy Doss, uh, Trevor Huddleston, guys like that. And uh, we we're just there in the race, you know, um, right place, right time. We we're patient. Uh, we worked our way to the front aggressively, but really patient at the same time, and it. Ended up going in our favor, and we got the win. So, Seth, just um, uh, um, 
give us a little bit of background about, you know, how you, how you got started in racing and, and why you chose, uh, you know, especially around the Bakersfield area. We're seeing a lot of drivers going more, you know, in terms of racing dirt instead of the asphalt. And, um, you know, especially, you know, since there's, you know, uh, dirt racing is real. I mean, asphalt racing has a lot of history there too, but, but lately, like I said, there's been a lot of dirt. So just kind of give us a little bit of history on your, um, on your background. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just as a little kid, I grew up going to the racetracks with my dad, you know, going to our local uh, dirt track here in Oildale, Bakersfield Speedway. That's really where I, I just really got the love for racing. I always went out there. And um, one of the nights, a uh, big um, a big modified racer, Bobby Hogue, actually, uh, he won a main, a main event, brought me down, gave him his trophy and whatnot, brought me to the pit. And uh, that's what really kicked it off. You know, we, we started going to the pits every race after that. And, uh, we saw these little cars that kids were racing. They were called mini doors. And uh, we ended up picking one up, you know. My dad thought it was uh, my dad thought it was just something fun that we'd get into for a little bit, you know. And uh, picked up a nice cheap car, just go out, have fun. And it ended up becoming an addiction in a way. We uh, just, just kept going at it, you know, going to different places, having a good time, meeting really good people in the racing community. And uh, we all started that when I was about nine. And uh, we just started slowly working our way up to different cars like Bandoleros, Inex Legends. Uh, uh, I think 2018 to 2019, we did 40 races in one year, traveling from tracks like Orange Show, Kern County Raceway here that we just won at this weekend, uh, Willow Springs, Irwindale, places like that, you know, and really having a good time. And just all the traveling is what really makes us a better driver. We're always looking for the competition. That's how you always get better, you know. And, um how it really all started is my whole my whole family on my mom's side's race. My great grandpa, my grandpa Jim, uh, my grandpa Bob, who um, he's a mechanic on our car now too. He sits in the shop every day, works on it, gets it all together for us, and can't thank him enough. That's that's really what all the behind the scenes go to, and um, you know that's just really what does it. That's uh, the whole family's race. We're all really involved with it, and that just that's just our life now. We're always always what we're doing every weekend. So as far as your, you know, as far as you know what you're doing now at the pro league, you know that, you know that's a big jump, you know, from, you know, going from the, you know, from the legends, you know, the, you know, like, of course, you know, starting the mini dwarfs and all that, and then racing the pro league, and then picking the, um, the SRL Southwest Tour Pro League series, like you said, you know, you got Jeremy Doss, you have um, uh, Trevor Huddleston, you know, you have a, you know, you have a few, you know, drivers, you know, that are really tough, you know, and and and, and for you to get this win. This past week, and especially with the heat, you know, and everything that was going on, you know, I'm sure your your team, you know, was. I mean, I seen that they're when they're down to victory, and they're ecstatic. So tell us a little bit. Of, tell us a little bit about the team that you bring to the track with you to help you get your car ready. You know, it helps you know during um, practice and and of course, you know, during the race itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we started. We bought a late model about two years ago, like you said. Uh, ran a lot of junior late model races, and uh, we won our first year, last race, the season finale, and we won, uh, ran against Joey East, got a win against him, which was really, really cool, and uh, that's what really kicked it off, and we went back and ran juniors again uh, for most of the second season up there, and uh, we won the first two races, and uh, we were chasing, and the things just didn't go right, so we uh, jumped up to the throttle. We really close to victory at Madera Speedway. But uh, this year they came out to, um, with the SRL Pro Late Models, which is a really good division, and it gives us the opportunity to run with really good guys like Huddleston, Jeremy Doss, 
all these different guys. We get to travel and experience new tracks. That's what's the really big part about it is going to new tracks, running with new guys, and just being able to have the opportunity that the Spears SRL gives us is is really just amazing. We're doing for our first year is really we're really happy with it. We got a really good guys group of guys behind us. Uh, my grandpa. Um, every day in the shop, just going going through rebuilding the car, looking at everything, and always doing a lot of the work on it. My dad, for even getting me into this, he's the one that puts everything up behind it. Uh, we're always on the shop helping my grandpa doing setup, and he hasn't been to a race. Uh, we've all been to the race together. We haven't missed one weekend together. So that's really the big part of it. Then we have uh, two other guys on our crew, Andy and David. Those are the hardest workers. We're always out there to have a good time, you know, where there's never a dull moment at the racetrack with us there, and uh, that's a really big part of it. We're just out there for the love of racing. We're a smaller team, so it's hard, but we make the best of it, and going out there to run with the part about it, which is awesome. Hmm. Great. And, and um, just uh, one more question before I turn it over to Sharon, our co-host. Why, uh, why did you choose the number 87 for your car? Yeah, so uh, just like I said, going back to my grand-grandpa and my grandpa, that's always been the number. So uh, my grandpa, when he first started racing, he was the number 87, and he ended up actually going into the Coast Guard. So um, while my great-grandpa Jim was uh, still out racing while he was at the Coast Guard, he took on that number, and that's kind of been just a family number. My mom actually raced a race once, uh, only did one of them, but she won it as well, which is uh, really cool. It's been in the family, you know. Uh, You still there, Seth? We're we're losing you. I can't I hear him. I think we lost him, Sharon. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can't he, hear him either. He's, he's still in the queue, but we just can't hear him. Okay. Seth, can uh, you can hear, hear us? Now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it. There you go. Okay, I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon, our coast. I know she has some. She also has some questions for you. Perfect. Hi, Seth. It's it's great to have you on the show tonight. I, I I really love hearing stories like yours, where the whole family's involved, and uh, every week everybody's together, and there's so much support and and everything that goes into that. Uh, Sal was also telling us uh, that you are neighbors with uh, Byron Campbell, and uh, that Derek Thorne. Uh, is kind of a coach for you as well. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, ever since we got a little car and uh, Byron Derek Thornton and them, uh, he's always just seen it, you know, uh, seen us racing. He's always been a big supporter, always checking up on us. And they've had to stop a lot. And um, lately in late models, yeah, we've been running around. Uh, Derek Thornton's been a huge help helping me out, teaching me all the tracks, giving me some tips, and uh, been able to work with a lot and that's a really really good thing to have so uh yeah that's, that's a big part of it they're a lot of help also yeah that that is huge and uh uh the family involvement as well is is really big and it seems like for whatever reason it seems like racing uh just is a, a great family activity uh and and you you're a testament to that uh so did, when you went into this race, because you said it's the first time you've raced 
uh, in this particular series, part of the series. Uh, how did you prepare for that? Yeah, you know, uh, we've been in the – we ran three or four races so far in the series, Pro Late Model Series, traveling with them. And oh. uh, it's really been a great ride this entire time. Uh, we've uh, had podiums almost every race, actually, so far. And two of them we were sent to the back for racing incidents. Um, but, you know, it's been a great time uh, just getting to meet everybody. And being able to run this series is always a great time. And like you said, preparing for this weekend, um, it, was my, it was my first time being on the big half mile. Uh, back here in our okay. hometown, and all the whole family came out. Everyone that I've been telling about racing for for years, you know, got to come out, and for us to win there, it was really special in front of all of them. So that was the biggest part of this weekend. Oh, that is huge! And and to win against uh, you know all of these other drivers that have been in the series for a few years now, uh, that that is really huge. Uh, I, I bet a lot of people were shocked. When you were when you were able to uh, come up with the victory, was it a close uh, finish for you, or did you have some space? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It was like you said, running against those kind of guys, uh, Jeremy Doss and Huddleston and, and Kyle Meyer and all those guys. It was awesome to be able to get the victory with them. Uh, they they are always fast everywhere they go. You know, those guys don't mess around; they're prepared. And uh, they take their notes. So uh, we we really got the car right. I, I have to give it to my crew. We worked really, really hard. And uh, it, it was awesome, you know, just being able to go out there oh. and out and uh, those guys pull off with the victory and the big win. That was awesome. Okay. Now, when is the next race that you'll be taking part in? Uh, so the next race, uh, there, there should be one, I believe, uh, here in a few weeks, there should be the 5,000 to win up at Madeira. And then our next one for SRL will be at Irwindale. Not too sure. And uh, not too sure on the date on that one, but we could find out on that. But, yeah, we're definitely going to go back to Madeira and the prolates for the nut class. We're trying to get that win in the prolates. And uh, that will be really cool. That's a big accomplishment we're wanting. We have uh, we have wins in the junior late models up there, the Bando and Mini Cups. And uh, we want to top it off with the prolate model. And hopefully we believe that I'll be the first driver to do that, to have wins in all three divisions up there, and that would be really, really That would be very, very awesome uh, and and quite an accomplishment. Okay, just in case Sal has any other questions, I'm going to pass the baton back over to him and uh, let him go ahead and close out the segment. Seth, what Thanks. was it like when you are coming down the – yeah, okay. What was it like when you're coming down the, the, you know, you see the white flag, you know, and, and, you know, the race had already had a few yellows, and I'm sure leading the race, the last thing you wanted was another caution to come out, you know, have another restart. But when you when that last restart came out and you jumped to the front and you're coming around, you know, and it's white, you see the white flag, you know, get waved. What's, what's going through your mind as you're coming to the, you know, back to the checkered flag, especially felt like it probably took forever to get around that track to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, just, again, being in front of the hometown made it uh, – we really wanted that win a little bit extra to be able to do that in front of everybody. But the whole last 10 laps, you know, I had my dad on the radio just saying, be smooth and consistent and uh, be patient and don't wear the be smooth, you know. And um, from times we, we had consistent times and we're, we're even gain, getting the lead a little bit there at the end. But – 
like you said, it, it took forever to get around the track for those last 10 laps, especially the last one, just hoping for a caution to not come out. Now's the biggest part of it, just trying to get our laps in, no cautions, and uh, keep it how it was. Well, Seth, you know what? <clears throat> Congratulations to get on the win. You know, we want to thank you for, t- you know, taking the time out to call in. Um, is there any shout-outs that you want to give to, like, maybe your sponsors, um, you know, to your team, you know, any team members or, you know, anybody that, you know, that really helped you, you know, you know, get to, you know, to where, you know, to get to Victory Lane this past weekend? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just uh, can't can't think of the group of guys around me enough. My dad and everyone, uh, my my dad and my grandpa for even making this possible, you know, my dad for getting me into this and, and going everywhere with us doing all this, my grandpa for building the car and getting it all together for us every weekend and the group, uh, the group of guys that go with us every weekend, David Montoya, uh, Andy Brown, it's just uh, without them, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. You know, they're the hardest working guys we have. And then our sponsors, uh, Ted at Sport Product Services, Free Flow Engine Coolers, uh, Christian at Kittichog Farms, Dave Rees at Rees Complete Automotive. He's a really big help, and uh, hopefully we can keep him going for a lot more. And um, even a uh, homie at Retro Custom, uh, Salted Metals, sorry. And just everyone else that helps, you know, um, and that support. They're the biggest ones. Well, Seth, once again, we want to congratulate you on the win. Um, very impressive, you know, and then, you know, to see, you know, like you said, you know, first time out on the big track, you know, and, uh, you know, to have the, you know, the night that you had, you know, of course, I'm sure that big uh, uh, winner's check, I'm sure that that's probably going to help out a lot, you know, to get, you know, to the future races. And um, probably next race I'll see, I would be at Irondale. And uh, like I said, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. And, um, and uh, once again, congratulations and, um, and, and enjoy the win. Absolutely. Hopefully we can Hope have him back again. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully we can have you yeah. back again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime, just let me know. I appreciate you guys for having me. Okay. Thanks, Seth. All right. That was Seth Weiss uh, with his own race team, Weiss Motorsports. Uh, a big win for him at Kern County Raceway this past weekend. Uh, so really a big deal. Uh, for him getting that win at just 16 uh, and and competing against so many of the veterans in that series. Uh, so he could be a name that we could see uh, for some time to come here. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we will, Sharon. He's a really good kid, really good family, really hard worker, and um, you know what, and, and um, you know, really dedicated to the sport. I mean, it, it's it's not – racing is, is a tough – it's tough at the short track level now, and it's even tougher, you know, with the, you know, with the series that the SRLs put together with the um, tour cars. Now the prolates this year, you know, and you got to really thank SPS Performance and um, uh, Joe Fari for, for putting the money up to, so this way they could have this series to race in. And then of course, then we got the modifieds, you know, that are another division that the SRL is running this year. So, um, you know, you got to thank Larry, Marion Collins, Brian, and, you know, and all the guys that are that are um, you know keeping the SRL up and alive as 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 anyone would tell you, it's one of the top um, touring series for super late models and probably in in our in our region right now. You know, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's speaking that's speaking numbers. You know, and the payouts are payouts are really good. I mean, Seth picked up a seventy six hundred dollar check for the win this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and there's so much support 
uh, for the series out there, you know, from the fans too, uh, which make it really makes that really great as well. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our next reviews here because we've got four more races to review uh, before we get to the uh, 9:30 time frame here. Uh, the Camping World Truck Series, John Hunter Nemechek uh, beat his boss again, Kyle Busch, for the victory at Pocono. Uh, so that was really huge. It was the 12th annual CRC Brake Lean 150, his 11th victory in 115 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races. It was his fifth victory and the 11th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory in third top 10 finish in four races at Pocono Raceway. Kyle Busch in second posted his fourth top 10 finish in five races at Pocono and his fifth top 10 finish this year. Sheldon Creed in third posted his second top 10 finish in three races at Pocono. Uh, Carson Hosevar was the highest finishing rookie. He finished in 13th place. And for Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, this was their sixth truck series victory at Pocono Raceway, so they've got quite a string going on there. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek passed his team owner, Kyle Busch, on a restart with just six laps left and pulled away to win uh, the Camping World Truck Series race at Pocono. Um, The win was his first at Pocono, fifth of the year and 11th of his career. He took the lead from his team owner on the uh, I've mentioned that already, so we won't say that. But finishing in second uh, was Kyle Busch. Uh, then it was Sheldon Creed, Tyler Ankrum, Austin Hill, Matt Crafton, the pole sitter, Todd Gilliland, Zane Smith, Ryan Priest, and Derek Krause, who round out the top ten. Hill actually clinched his playoff spot based on points following his fifth-place finish. Uh, Stage one was won by Zane Smith, who led 18 laps but was unable to get back to the lead after a penalty for pitting while the pits were closed on lap 35. Stage two was run by John Hunter Nemechek for his ninth stage win of the season. There were eight lead changes among seven drivers and four cautions for 11 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, was 122 miles point three one miles per hour. So uh, some interesting uh, uh, people in the top ten there. But this battle between John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Busch, this was actually Kyle Busch's last truck series race. So uh, John Hunter will be on his own from here on out. Yeah. It's um him and him and Kyle. They really really went back and forth, and it's and it's good to see it. You know, I know, I know for all the Kyle Busch haters out there, you know, they're like, eh, you know. But you know what I mean? He's the only truck team right now out there. You know, that's that's you know bringing that that's um um uh, developing drivers. You know, as we yeah. he's had Todd Gilliland. You know what he's had. Um, you know, I mean, shoot, um, Eric Jones. I mean, the list goes on. I'm not going to go into it. We don't have time, but I mean, if you just go back and look at the history of Cowboys Motorsports, you know, and he's always, you know, worked on bringing bringing in, the, you know, up and coming drivers rather than hiring the veterans. You know, and then you know when his when his up and coming drivers beat him, you know that Kyle doesn't he doesn't Kyle doesn't give races away. 
Kyle's out no. there. Kyle's <laughs> out there to win. I mean, one thing Kyle wants is he wants he wants to have the most. When he retires, he wants to have the most wins. He doesn't care combined wins or however you do it. He wants he just wants to win. And when his drivers beat him, it upsets him. But you know what? It's it, it's a good upset because you know that shows that mm-hmm. that his team is doing their job and they're bringing the drivers up you know the way they should. So um, absolutely. Uh, and and Kyle Busch is you know um, done a lot for the uh, Camping World Truck Series by having him in those races. I think NASCAR has a good balance right now. Um, So I hope that they don't stop having uh, drivers like Kyle Busch in these other races. And the other drivers, I'm telling you, all these other drivers love it because they learn so much from Kyle Busch whenever he's in a race. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and cover the points report. Okay, so... Looking at the points, we are back at the, uh, of course, we're looking at um, John Hunter Imachek is still, uh, he's uh, still leading, I just had it, Sharon, I just, oh, here it is right here. So it's weird, it just kind of like this. So John Hunter Imachek leading the points, Ben Rhodes in second, Austin Hill third, Zay Smith in fourth, and Todd Gilliland is sitting in fifth. Now, those are the top five, and then into the chase, they're only going to take the top ten drivers, I think, into the chase. Mm-hmm. So our next mm-hmm. five is going to be Sheldon Creed, Matt Crafton, Grant Infinger, Stuart Friesen, and wow, Carson Hosevar has the has the last spot, and he's got um, he's on the bubble by by nine points over um, 11th place um, Chandler Smith. But let's keep in mind, Grant Infinger uh, has asked for a waiver and has not been granted a waiver uh, to be in the playoffs. So when the playoffs begin, he will drop out, which will bring Chandler Smith into that top ten. So that would put two rookies into the top ten for the playoffs. Yeah, and then it, yeah, because then when you look below, then actually you have to look down to uh, uh, Johnny Sauter, who's who's a little bit of a waste behind Chandler Smith for the for that bubble spot. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and John Hunter Nemechek is really racking up the playoff points. He's got nine stage wins, uh, three times more than the next closest driver, which is Jane <sighs> Smith with three. So uh, with his nine stage wins and his five race wins, he's got 34 playoff points. Again, far and away more than any other driver in the series. Oh yeah, he's 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 basically he's he's almost you can almost guarantee he's locked in all the way into Phoenix with all those playoff points. Right, and and then they were saying Austin Hill is locked in now too, even though he doesn't have a win, he sits third in the series point standings. But with his fifth place finish this past weekend, uh, that locked him into the playoffs. So regardless of what happens, there's only two more races left for the Camping World Truck Series. Yeah, so so I mean the guys that are outside of the bubble, they need to either start looking at a win, or even the guys that haven't won this year, you know, that are inside the top ten, you know, a win would you know would really you know it will solidify them, you know, give them a little bit of a of a breathing room because as we've seen with the way the points are, anything can happen. You have a, a two bad races and, and you could be sitting seventh or eighth in points and next you know you're sitting 
you know, 13th or 14th, you know, and you're outside of the, you're outside of the chase bubble. Okay. Now the two races that they have left are Knoxville, which will be Friday, July the 9th in Iowa. This is a first for the NASCAR truck series. So uh, that's going to be a really interesting one because nobody has any notes for that particular race, except for maybe those drivers that have raced Knoxville before another series. And then Saturday, they don't race again then until Saturday, August the 7th at Watkins Glen, which is a road course. So those are the two races they have left before their playoffs begin. So the clock is really ticking in this series. Yeah, it is. Um, Knoxville is going to be a good one. That's going to be another dirt track. And that could be where you see, you know, guys like Sheldon Creed, you know, who's really good in dirt, you know, maybe, you know, maybe get a win. Um, you might even see, uh, let me see who else is down there. Um, maybe even Haley Deegan might maybe even get a top five. Yes. You know. Yes, I was thinking the same you know, thing. You know, yeah, being, a, being on dirt. So she might even end up with the top five or, or maybe a surprise win. But it's going to be hard because you still got Matt Crafty. You got Stuart Friesen, who loves dirt. Friesen's been there before to Knoxville, you know, um, and, uh, you know, um, I think yep. that's really about all I can see, you know, as far as, you know, oh, guys okay. that are, you know, that are going to be strong on the dirt. Okay. So stay tuned for what's going to happen next in the Camping World Truck Series. Next, we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series at Pocono. Austin Sindrick won the sixth annual Pocono Green 225 uh, and it was his 12th victory in 116 Xfinity Series races. It was his fourth victory and 12th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and third top 10 finish in four races at Pocono Raceway. Ty Gibbs, who finished in second place, posted his first top 10 finish in his series debut at Pocono Raceway. It's his seventh top 10 finish this year. Justin Algauer finishing third, posting his third top 10 finish in six races at Pocono. Ty Gibbs, of course, was the highest finishing rookie. Austin Sindrick now becomes the sixth different NASCAR Xfinity Series winner in, a, in as many races at Pocono Raceway. And with this win, Team Penske in 2017, and again this year, ties Stuart Haas Racing, who did this in 2019 and 20, for the series most wins at Pocono Raceway with two each. So some pretty neat stats there. Austin Sindrick held off a ferocious charge by part-time Xfinity Series driver Ty Gibbs to win the Pocono Green 225. Um, and, uh, again, it was Cindric's fourth win of the season, now having 14 more playoff points than the next highest driver in the field. Ty Gibbs uh, in second to race more than three seconds off the lead in the final three laps of the race. Justin Algauer finished third. Noah Gregson fourth. A.J. Allmendinger rounds out the top five. Despite a speeding on pit road twice, Daniel Hemrick rebounded to finish sixth, Brandon Jones seventh, Jeff Burton in eighth, Josh Berry ninth, Myatt Snyder uh, rounds out the top ten finishers. T- 
Harrison Burton led all 20 laps in the opening stage en route to his second stage victory of the season, and Gibbs was victorious in the second stage. There were 11 lead changes among eight drivers and six cautions for 21 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was a little slower at 117.511 miles per hour. So, again, uh, that was an exciting finish uh, because uh, Ty Gibbs was gaining on Austin Sindrick, and everybody was wondering, can he make it? Yeah, it was it was a really good finish for for uh, you know for um, for Austin. But like you said, you know, it looked like it looked like for a second there, you know, Ty Gibbs was going to catch him, but um, you know, it was not to be. You know, uh, um, uh, Austin Cedric had other um, he had other uh, uh, intentions. He had other things on his other plans on his mind, and it was and it was not to give this race away. Yes, and do you have the points up? Yeah, I got the points. The points are um, so in the uh, the points is this who we just talked about right now, the 22 car, Austin Cedric, who has four race wins on the season. Second is A.J. Allmendinger with two race wins on the season. Third is Daniel Hemrick, who is still looking for his first race win, but is still um, still strong, you know, in the, in the points. I, I think he's he's almost... I think he's almost locked in for a spot, for a playoff spot. Um, fourth is Justin Allgaier. Fifth is Harrison Burton. And sixth is uh, Jeb Burton, still hanging in there in the sixth spot. But, of course, Jeb has that that one race win, so Jeb has his um, – He Jeb is already locked in. But then um, I think we're taking the – fitting they take the top 12. And then from there we got seventh place is Brandon Jones. Eighth is Justin Haley. Ninth is Noah Gregson, who's still without a win. Tenth is Michael Annette. Eleventh is Jeremy Clements. And twelfth is Maya Snyder, and Maya Snyder does have a win. So uh, we're looking at, I guess, when they reset the points, Jeremy Clements will be the one on the bubble um, with Brandon Brown, you know, trying to trying to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, he's oh and the then Josh side. Berry. Plus, we don't know mm-hmm. if, if, if they're going to – there's a chance they might give Josh Berry and Ty Gibbs uh, – what do you call that? Um, a waiver. A waiver. Because Josh Berry – yeah, yeah I don't Josh think Berry and Ty take, Gibbs both have wins. I don't think uh, Ty Gibbs is, is requesting a waiver yet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do, and I think the same is true for Josh Berry. I haven't heard any word about whether or not they've even requested the waiver. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if they make that well, request. I, well, I think I think Josh Berry technically has enough races in because he has 14 out of 16 starts in. Ty Gibbs is the one that only has eight starts in. I, so I, I, I know, so but I, as the season progresses, he's going to have fewer starts because uh, driving that number eight car for junior motorsports <clears> now is Sam Mayer. So Josh Berry yeah. is on a race-by-race basis right now, and we don't know if he'll be able to race the rest of the races or not. You know what? And and, and I'm sure a team, I'm sure a team will pick him up. I mean, you have somebody that's somebody oh, yeah. that far up in the points. You know what? And and has a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. You know what? They 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 would. I'm I'm sure he's gonna have offers 
knocking on his door, you know, hey, race for me, race for me, because he already has a guaranteed spot in if, if he chooses to, you know, to race the rest of the week. The rest of the season. Yeah. The rest of the season, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yep. So, A.J. Allmendinger right now is in second place. He's got the two wins behind Austin Sendrick, and he's the next closest in playoff points at 13 with three stage wins. Uh, the next up on playoff points rise, wise is Dustin Algauer with 11 playoff points. He has the one stage win and two victories. So uh, it's interesting that Ty Gibbs has two victories on the season in just eight starts. That's half of the rest of the field. And uh, he's already got two wins. Uh, and there's several people in that top 12 that don't have a win yet. So it will be interesting to see what happens as uh, this season progresses. Uh, but let's yeah, go ahead and move on to the – go ahead. Yeah, because yeah, really the only thing that, that is hurting – don't hurt Josh Berry or his – he doesn't have any playoff points with those yeah. wins. But um, but uh, when you when you look at Austin Sidrick, he has 27, and then you have uh, A.J. Allmendinger with 13 and Justin Algar with 11. But other than that, everybody has one, two, three, and five. So, I mean – he should still be um he should still be good you know for the for the uh for the playoffs okay you know, i'm going to go if, ahead if, and get if, into if the cup series okay, okay exactly i'm going to go ahead and get into the cup series cuz we've got two races to cover alex bowen won the 40th annual pocono organic cbd 325 and it was his fifth victory in 207 cup series races is a third victory and ninth top ten finish in this year, and the first victory and third top ten finish in 11 races at Pocono. Kyle Busch in second posted his 17th top ten finish in 33 races at Pocono and his 11th top ten finish in 2021. William Byron in third uh, posted his fifth top ten finish in seven races at Pocono. Chase Briscoe was the highest finishing rookie. He finished in 24th place. This season, Hendrick Motorsports has tied their modern era uh, record for the most consecutive NASCAR Cup Series wins with six straight victories uh, set in 2007, the modern era being from 1972 to the present. Hendrick Motorsports leads the series in wins at Pocono with 18 victories. Jeff Gordon has six, Tim Richmond three, Jimmy Johnson three, Dale Earnhardt Jr. two, Casey Kane one, Jeff Bodine one, Terry Labonte one, and Alex Bowman one. So uh, some big stats there. Uh, after an intense nail-biting battle over the last 29 laps at Pocono Raceway, Alex Bowman won Saturday's race when Hendrick Motorsports teammate Kyle Larson blew a left front tire while leading within one corner of the finish line. Bowman's victory ended a streak of three straight wins for Larson, who passed Bowman's number 48 on lap 127 of 130 and appeared destined to become the first driver since Jimmy Johnson, who did it in 2007 to win four straight Cup Series races. So that was a heartbreaker for him, for sure. Alex Bowman uh, won his third win of this year uh, and first win at Pocono. 
Bush finished second, followed by Byron, Hamlin, Blaney, uh, Kurt Bush, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, uh, and pole sitter Kyle Larson with Keselowski rounding out the top ten. Kyle Larson took the lead with from Bowman with three laps remaining and was pulling away when that tire cut down in the last turn and he slid into the wall. Larson ended up finishing ninth at the finish. Stage one was won by Bush, Kyle Bush. Stage two by Kurt Bush. There were 14 lead changes among nine drivers and uh, eight cautions for 25 yellow flag laps. The average speed here was much faster, 129.453 miles per hour. Your thoughts, yeah, it was a, uh, it was, Sal? Yeah, it was, a, it was a heartbreaker for Kyle Larson, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, with, you know, with the, you know, some of the talk, you know, about, you know, how can, how can the Hendricks cars, well, not Hendricks, but Larson's car, you know, be so strong, you know, and, and, uh, you know, once again, you know, he showed it again, you know, by leading, mm-hmm. you know, by leading, you know, towards the end of the race. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, really something, you know, to see him get that flat. And I, I know it just, I don't just it was feel shocking. It was shocking. Yeah, I yeah. think everybody gasped when that happened. We won't cover the points report here, Sal. We'll wait and cover the points report after the second Cup Series race of the weekend. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get into that one. Kyle Bush won the 48th Annual Explorer, the Pocono Mountains 350, in his 59th victory of 589 NASCAR Cup Series races. It was his second victory and the 11th top 10 finish, uh, fourth victory and 17th top 10 finish in 34 races at Pocono. Kyle Larson finished second, posting his seventh top 10 finish in 14 races at Pocono. It's his 13th top 10 this year. Brad Keselowski in third, posted his 14th top 10 in 24 races at Pocono. Chase Briscoe again finished 21st and was the highest finishing rookie. The win was Joe Gibbs Racing's 16th Cup Series victory at Pocono Raceway. Denny Hamlin with six wins, Kyle Busch with four, Bobby Labonte with three, Joey Logano with one, Tony Stewart with one, and Matt Kenseth with one. 23-11 Racing and Bubba Wallace actually scored their first top 10 finish this season and the first for the organization in the series. So that was really a big day for them. With remarkable perseverance and behind the wheel of a car stuck in fourth gear, Kyle Busch saved enough fuel to win Sunday's Explore, the Pocono Mountain 350, the second leg of the weekend series double header. After William Byron and Denny Hamlin ran out of gas ahead of him, Bush cruised to an 8.654 second victory over Kyle Larson, who started from the rear of the field in a backup car after crashing while leading in the final corner of Saturday's race. Um, This was uh, Bush's second win of the season, uh, fourth win at Pocono and 59th career win in the series. Larson finished second, followed by Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, uh, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Ryan Priest, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Joey Logano. 
the pole sitter, Chris Busher, finished in 19th place. The race came down to fuel mileage. Keselowski had to pit with eight laps remaining, giving the lead to Byron. Byron then had to pit with two to go, handing, over, handing the lead over to Hamlin. Hamlin then ran out of fuel, giving Bush the lead on the white flagged lap. Bush had the car stick in gear midway through the race and eventually lost the clutch, but was able to save enough gas at the end to take advantage of the fuel mileage. Stage one was won by Martin Truex, stage two by William Byron. There were 12 lead changes among 10 drivers and four cautions for 15 yellow flag laps. Again, the average speed of this race, again, was bumped up to 143.036 miles per hour. So uh, this was an exciting race because you you knew it was coming down to fuel mileage. You didn't know who was going to make it and who wasn't. Yeah, we haven't had a fuel mileage race in a long time. And, uh, you know, to see this one, you know, come down to the way it did and, you know, you really got to take your hats off to Kyle Busch, who was able to uh, who was able to um, overcome the problems he had with the transmission. You know, being stuck in fourth gear. Yeah. And, you know, this, not many drivers this, could do that. Right, Sal. Not many drivers could do that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sharon. Um, Okay, I'm I'm having technical difficulties with my headset. I don't know if they oh, went dead or okay. what happened, but <laughs> but um, oh, anyways, yeah, okay. it was um, yeah, it was a it was a uh, it was a really good uh, show by Kyle Busch. I mean, he played his cards right, and like you said, you know, we haven't had a fuel mileage race, you know, in a long time, you know, and the, and then just you know to watch everybody, you know, you know. A lot of drivers got smart and fitted, especially the ones, you know, that are still fighting for those chase spots, you know, rather than stay out and uh, yeah, rather you than know, stay one out. Thing and, that, uh, one thing I read earlier today, Sal, is Kyle Busch pitted one lap later than most of the others. So he had that one lap of extra fuel is what made the difference for him. Yeah, because I don't, I, he, he didn't even – I don't, oh, he couldn't do a burnout. He didn't. He didn't have no gear. That's right, because they're talking about we were not going to see him do a burnout because he don't have a first or second gear. He only had the fourth gear. So exactly. that was another reason he didn't do a burnout. So he just came in and and did his customary bow and um and that was it. Let's go ahead and do the points. Uh, are you able to do the points now? Because uh, we're yeah. going to run out of no, time. No, yeah. Yeah, no, I have the points. So the points are Danny Hamlin still leaving the points. Um, Kyle Larson is second. Uh, William Byron third. Joey Logano fourth. Uh, Kyle Busch fifth. Chase Elliott sixth. Martin Truex is seventh. And Ryan Blaney round out the top eight. We're gonna we we do this top sixteen because those are the drivers that go into the uh, that go wow. into the uh, chase. And Matt Kyle Larson has really racked up the playoff points, sitting at 32 playoff points. And the next person closest to him is Martin Truex Jr. at 19. So Kyle yeah, Larson, that's amazing. Really, with with these last four, three, four wins he's had, you know, is really you know taking advantage, you know, racking up the points. And then ninth, we got Kevin Harvick. 
10th is Brad Keselowski, 11th is Alex Bowman, 12th is Austin Dillon, 13th is Tyler Reddick, 14th is Kurt Busch, 15th is Chris Buescher, and 16th is Christopher Bell. You know, you got you got to take your hats off to Chris to Chris Bell and Tyler Reddick for just being their sophomore season because usually a sophomore season mm-hmm. is when they have they have their issues and and as we're seeing Cole Custer, you know, is um, sitting twenty eight points right now. You know, yeah, you know, and he's having a really rough year after making the chase last year as a rookie driver, and um, he just he seems like he has no luck whatsoever going his way. But it seems like Tyler Reddick and um, and Christopher Bell are just being silent right where they're at. Yeah, but keep in mind, Christopher Bell has a win. Michael McDowell has a win. He's 17th. So that bumps yeah. Chris Busher, who doesn't have a win, out of the playoff contention. So uh, that's kind of sad to see that happen. But but uh, Michael McDowell has punched his ticket, so he's in, and Chris is out. Yeah. Yeah, so basically it's going to come down to – looks like it's going to come down to Chris Busher and uh, Kurt Busch you know, fighting for that last spot because Tyler Reddick is uh, 40, 45 points ahead of Bush, and he's uh, uh, 48 points ahead of um, Chris Busher right now. So that that's yeah. a lot of points for for them to make up, you know, to you know to knock him out. So, I mean, you know, we're going to be looking at a you know at a at a pretty good battle here between Busher, uh, Bush, and even possibly uh, Daniel Suarez, who, who's at 382. So yeah, Daniel is only 50, uh, 50 points back behind, which is still a lot of points to make yep. up. I think it's going to Daniel is going to come down to Kurt Busch and uh, and and, uh, and Chris Chris Busher, you know, and who's going to get that last uh, playoff spot. Yes, indeed. I will tell you, though, that uh, you mentioned Kyle Larson's playoff points. Uh, speaking to his, the strength of his run, he has four wins, race wins, and 12 stage wins. Nobody else is even close to that. Denny Hamlin has five stage wins. Martin Truex Jr. has four stage wins. But Kyle Larson has 12. So he's just been super, super strong. Uh, which is why he's sitting in second place right now. But when the playoffs begin, he'll start in first place. Yeah, you know, and and it's going to be kind of kind of ironic to see uh, if it happens to see Danny Hamlin be the, the you know the the regular season champion, you know, with with, with zero wins. Yeah, he's going to have to start further back uh, in the in the uh, standings uh, because you've got 11 different race winners. Uh, so he'll be starting 12th when the playoffs start. But a lot of that can change depending on how well he runs. And he's been fairly consistent uh, how well he runs during the 10-race playoff. So uh, we're already at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, Sal. Uh, I really appreciate you being on tonight, and we were able to get all of our review in. So, congratulations on that. Plus, we had a guest, and thank you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a it was a quickie tonight. Yes, it was. So, uh, really appreciate you being here. It's good to have you back, and I'm sure you're happy to be back home. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, until uh, the next adventure. 
<laughs> until the next adventure. Okay, and uh, I'll talk to you offline about uh, July next Monday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So okay. We'll, we'll talk so to we'll, everybody later. You guys all be safe, and um, and we'll we'll talk to you uh, next week sometime. Okay, Sal. Thanks a lot. All right. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. All right. That was Sal Fagala. And now it is time for a hot topic sound off, and we have our fan racing crew here. Uh, let's start with Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Good to be here. And we got a little bit of a mix-up uh, tonight with uh, who we got on, a mixture of who we got on, so looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. And then also, I believe uh, Andy Lasky is here tonight. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm on two consecutive shows for the first time since I don't remember. <laughs> so certainly uh, <laughs> certainly happy to be on. All right. And I believe we also have Owen Stewart on tonight. Yep, thanks for having me back. It's been a few weeks, but uh, I'm ready to talk some racing. I'm excited to be back. All right. So we're happy to have you here as well. So uh, with that, why don't we start with you? Austin, I'm calling you Austin now. Uh, let's start with you, Owen, for the uh, first hot topic. I want to, for my hot topic, I want to go down to the truck series and kind of bring up a topic that has been on my mind a little bit, and that's uh, surrounding Grant Enfinger, who is still considered ineligible for the playoffs. Um, for anybody who doesn't follow the truck series as closely. I'm sure all of you guys do, but for any listeners, Enfinger has missed one race, has a part-time ride with Thor Sport, but has been filling in most of his races with the nine truck of uh, Cody Rohrbaugh's team. Uh, But because he missed that race, he is ineligible for the playoffs and NASCAR declined his waiver. So I guess my uh, topic is, do we agree with this rule? And if not, what do we think it should be changed to? What modifications should be made to it? Okay, Andy, we'll let you be first up on this one. This is a really good topic, and, you know, I think it highlights a potential flaw in the system. We've seen drivers in the past um, that have missed several races be given a waiver. Kyle Busch in 2015 uh, is a prime example of that. I believe it was 2015 when uh, he missed a lot of races, albeit due to injury, but then went on to be the champion. And, um, you know, I, I believe that uh, extenuating circumstances were in play there, but you could also argue that uh, it was, was out of Grant Enfinger's control that he missed one race this season, you know. So do I agree with the rule? I don't. And I think that, you know, if a driver can put themselves into the top 30 in points, win a race, or point their way into the playoffs, they should be eligible. So if I were to make a change to the rule, I would make it just that. I would say that, you know, if you're you're top 30 in points and you can either get in on points or you can win a race, then you should be eligible for the playoffs. Um, You know, granted, I think they may have denied Grant because it wasn't due to injury or some big circumstance like we've seen in the past. But um, certainly if NASCAR can – magically add a 13th driver to the chase like they did back in 2013, they can probably make someone eligible for the championship playoffs by just missing one race. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, I feel like this is a situation that may need to be looked at, and I do think, um, you know, especially, I mean, that that's a big deal, you know, for Grant if he could get into the playoffs because if he could, you know, do so, it may help him get sponsorship um, to either run more races with Thor Sport or another team, and, you know, it could also bring more exposure to maybe, you know, the nine teams. You know, if if they were to run some races with Grant in the playoffs, it, it could help that organization. So it could not only help Grant um, by making the playoffs because it gets him more exposure, but it gets a team more exposure as well. So um, I think it's a missed opportunity here, you know, and I, I definitely think it's something that maybe should be looked at. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Because I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, I think it was uh, me, you, Mike, and Tommy the other night that did have this mm-hmm. discussion, and I'm the one that brought it up and was fired up about it. I'd kind of calmed back down, but uh, Owen and Tommy got me, or uh, Owen and uh, Andy got me spun back up here. <laughs> I do think that NASCAR is making a mistake in not allowing Grant Enfinger into the playoffs. I don't know at what point he submitted uh, his request, but they denied it. And I know Sharon... Uh, you said a win might change their minds, but at this point now with two races to go, you know, the teams that are battling around the bubble are expecting him not to be. I don't think they can backtrack on it now, even if he were to win the next two races. I think they need to look at it long-term down the road. The one thing, though, Andy said, uh, that I said kind of got me fired back up, they don't need to change the rule. The rule says they have the authority to an exception based on the case. And I think the case is made. He is, I believe, I don't know if I'll him this weekend, uh, when we had this discussion, out, I know he was uh, six, six in points. So ahead of four drivers and right there with the other five without the win and one last race. So what Andy said, though, that changing it to the top 30 in, in points, if you get in the top 30 in points, I, I don't think you can go that far if you were to even change the rule because that's why the rule was put in place. They don't want a team to show up, win one race, and then keep showing up and running five laps and pulling it in and riding on that win. Grant is not doing that. He is out there racing in the top five, top ten every week, different teams, and he's put himself in that points position, which is why I think that exception should be made. Um, and, and again, the rule says that NASCAR has the authority to make an exception based on their discretion, and that's where I think they're, they're falling short. They, they have that discretion, and they chose not to make it. I, I disagree with that. Okay. I, I would love to see Grant Finger be in the playoffs. However, <laughs> I, I think that NASCAR is making the right call. If you look at all of the other situations, uh, Everybody had a race win under their belt. Grant Finger doesn't. He's now uh, eighth in the series point standings. They accept the top ten. And uh, I think Jay brings up a good point. For them to reverse that now would be uh, kind of not really fair for these guys that are on the bubble trying to race their way to be in. Right now you've got Carson Hosevar and Chandler Smith, both rookies, that would be in the playoffs uh, as it stands today. Um, and I think that's, I, th- I think if Grant Figure had a win, 
I think it would make would have made all the difference in the world, and NASCAR probably would have granted the waiver. But he doesn't have a win, and I think that's that's what the difference is here. Um, and and like I say, would I love to see him be in the playoffs? Do I think he's earned a chance to be in the playoffs? Yeah, but I can kind of see NASCAR's point too. Uh, he should have a win, and I know that there's other drivers uh, that are in there on points that don't have a win. You've got Austin Hill, who actually secured. He's locked into the playoffs now. He's running third without a win. Zane Smith is fourth without a win. And then you've got drivers like Matt Crafton in seventh, uh, Stuart Friesen in ninth, and Carson Hosevar in tenth that do not have a win. Same thing is true for Chandler Smith. So I think Grant Infinger would would give it more of an effort uh, for that um, championship run. Uh but right now he's sitting eighth in the points, so uh, it's kind of hard to make that case for him. Uh, but Owen, our stats man, I'm really curious to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think um, all three of you have some good points, and I think my the way I see it is kind of a combination of all of it. I think that for the situation that NASCAR is in, I do think that they made the correct call. Uh, the rules are pretty set, and I think that if they were to say that Enfinger could get that waiver into the playoff, even with missing a race, I, I do think that would kind of be going back on their rule. Yes, they do have the authority to add him to the playoff, but uh, it would be kind of wishy-washy on their part to give in on that. That being said, I do think that there needs to be a modification to the rules. Um, I know that part of the reason that rule was put in place is, like it was already said, so teams don't get a win early and then coast the rest of the year, but this isn't one of those situations. I mean, Grant Enfinger is a legitimately competitive driver. He's been a championship contender in multiple seasons in the 98 truck. And he knew coming into the year that he was only going to have 12 scheduled races with Thor Sport, but he was able to find another ride. And yeah, he missed one race, but he made an effort to attempt as many, pos- as many races as possible. And he's still eighth in points, having missed the race and declared for truck points. So, I I would say that if somebody, my personal view of it, if somebody runs four points in that series and they have enough points to make it into the playoffs, I think they should be in. And I think there needs to be, I I don't think it should be, you know, win and you're in, just giving top 30 and going in. But I do think that there has to be some kind of exception for somebody like Enfinger in this situation who missed just one race. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Not not really any follow-up, but, you know, certainly do find it a shame that Grant, you know, can't participate in the playoffs this season, but certainly a rule that, you know, I hope can get visited or I should say revisited at some point. And, um, you know, hopefully other drivers won't find themselves in this position because it would be a shame to run all but one race possibly even win some races as the season goes on, be in on points, but still not be eligible. And that, to me, is the the travesty of the situation. So, um, you know, certainly don't want to see a scenario like this happen in the future. Okay, Jay. Well, I definitely have follow-up. Again, goes back to Sharon Sharon said, you know, the, the win would make the difference. 
but that's the the point is he hasn't won a race. Neither have the two or three behind him in points that could get in. To me, the the playoffs and and the the run to the championship would be about putting the best team and performance throughout the year. And I I don't remember exactly. I think in the truck series, it's top twenty. Um, that you have to be in points and then have the win. Okay. So, and I'm trying to look real quick here. It is Chase Purdy. Uh, that's a great example because I'm a Chase Purdy fan. I like him. Okay. Has he had the best season? No, he has not. If he were to win this next race coming up uh, in two weeks, I believe, at Knoxville, he's in the top 20 in points. He picks up a win. He's into the playoffs. When you look at this season, who's been the better team and has a better chance of winning the championship and representing what the the season has been? Somebody that's 19th in points but did get a victory or somebody that missed one race and is running top five each and every week? You know, to me, that's what it comes down to and why I believe the exception should have been made. Um, You're like Owen said, it was the second race of the season – he knew, I don't know what point he found out Thor Sport uh, was going to split his ride and he wasn't going to have a ride. Maybe he even tried to get sponsorship in another team for that second race, couldn't get it done. Now that he had more time, was out able to and has done so, so far and maintained with that team uh, splitting between the two teams. So I, I really, I think he should be in. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say of, of Andy, said, Andy made the comment of adding a, in this case, in the truck series, an 11th driver, I don't think NASCAR should go down that road. Uh, even with what happened back in, somebody else is going to have to fill in the year, that Jeff Gordon was awarded that based on this, call them shenanigans or possible shenanigans uh, on the track. I, and I'm a Gordon fan. I wasn't a big fan of that either. I, I really wasn't. Um to add that additional one. Um, But, you know, NASCAR made a decision. They felt justified in it. They made it, and it worked out. In this case, I don't think they ought to do it as an add-on. I just think he should be in, and the next guy down in points that he beat out, uh, even with one less race, should be the one out. Okay. Now, in addition to what Jay said about, you know, Chase Purdy being 20th if he gets a win, uh, he's in. Uh, I think the one of the more uh, another compelling reason I think that NASCAR should make a change to the rules is Grant Gensinger took this upon himself to try to find additional sponsorship to race these additional races, and he has not missed a beat in doing that. So by not changing the rule. What incentive does NASCAR give drivers that are put in that situation to go up there and seek new sponsorship and and bring that sponsorship into the sport? So I think that's probably one of the more compelling reasons for why NASCAR should make that change because they're really discouraging uh, a driver from doing anything that's put into that situation uh, because they're not going to be given the opportunity to really go after that championship. Uh, and I really think Grant Finger 
Um, you know, I, I do think NASCAR made the right call based on the rules as they currently stand. I agree with Owen on that. But I do think that they need to kind of revisit it and, because you don't want to discourage uh, the initiative that Graham Ginfinger has taken in all of this. So in addition to everything that everybody else has already said. So, Owen, we'll let you wrap this one up. Yeah, I really honestly, like, looking at the standings as well, um, the truck series this year has had, I would say, maybe 13 or 14 trucks that are actually competitive on a weekly basis. So it's already a bit of a thin field. And then the nine truck has been one of those trucks, and he's not even eligible for the playoffs. So it's already a relatively thin series. And then when the 51 runs, I mean, with Kyle Busch, that's basically an automatic victory, let's be honest. But taking another truck out of the contention just makes it even thinner and it makes for a more predictable finish. Seven motorsports team has only been running full time for, I think two years. And they've come a long way in that two years. They took initiative just like Enfinger did to bring him in, mm-hmm. bring in a talented driver who didn't have a lot of sponsorship and they've been running every race and they're a small team. I mean, he's from rural West Virginia and they're getting something going in the truck series. So, Props to CR7 Motorsports. Um, honestly, even if it doesn't work out for Enfinger this year, playoff-wise, I hope he goes back to them on a full-time schedule next year and they can find him some sponsorship. Yes, indeed. Okay, Andy, we'll go to you for the next hot topic. Yeah, news coming out uh, earlier this morning that uh, former championship and Daytona 500 winning crew chief currently for Ryan Blaney, that is Todd Gordon, um, is going to be retiring at the end of the season. Uh, it's unclear if he'll remain in the sport or not, but um, certainly means Ryan Blaney has a new crew chief for next year, so wondered what everyone thought about that. Okay, Jay? I unfortunately didn't get to uh, to share the actual interview uh, where he talked about it on SiriusXM. I take that back. Maybe he hasn't yet. Um I think Tuesdays is his morning. But, yeah, that news coming out, looking at the responses on Twitter, they're saying that the the new, the next-gen car is more geared towards, let me see how it reads, uh, will be more for an engineer than for a crew chief. Uh, seeing this all take place with all simulation computer, da- computer data to call a race. So I don't know if that's true, if that's what his thought is or what his reason is. Uh, it's one of those I think is a loss for the sport, obviously for Team Penske, as well as Ryan Blaney or, or any other team that he has the opportunity to work with because I think he is one of the, and I don't want to say underrated, but maybe not more uh, talked about crew chiefs, but I, I think his stats or analytics uh, speak for themselves. I'll let Owen fill in the uh, blanks there. Uh, you know, he's one of the top crew chiefs, and, and it's a, a shame to see it. You know, if it's a personal decision, I, I'd support it. Uh, but just like with others, as a fan, I think we're taking a loss. Okay. Owen, oh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, anytime you win, you lose a championship-winning crew chief, it's going to cause a big shakeup. And, I, I mean, I would. I didn't hear about the thing with the next-gen car and it being more computerized, but I guess it does kind of make sense. 
Uh, I mean, NASCAR is trending more towards technology, more towards new sponsorships and trying to open up new opportunities down the road. Uh, so I guess it does make sense that that may be part of his thought process. But even if it's not, um, I mean, yeah, he's an underrated crew chief. Uh, he won the t- or he helped Joey Logano win the 2018 championship in a big three and me type season. And then until this year, I think Ryan Blaney was kind of the third fiddle with Team Penske. And then he gets that crew chief switch. And now, I mean, he hasn't been a consistent top five threat every week, but he already has the win at Atlanta. And he's been up there running with the best of them, top 10 in points. He's definitely been a more consistent driver this year. And I think the crew chief switch had something to do with it. Uh, Blaney's definitely going to miss him. Team Penske's going to miss him. And like you said, or you said already, uh, NASCAR as a, as a sport is going to miss him. Okay. Yeah, I think he is going to be missed within the sport. But just to be clear, Gordon has earned a mechanical engineering degree from Clemson University and has been a crew chief several times throughout his career before arriving at Team Penske. He also served as race engineer for Diamond Wall Trip Racing. So it sounds like he's got an engineering background. Uh, I don't know, based on his age, how that differs with engineering then and now. Uh, I would imagine it's it's probably a big difference, but um, uh, he does have a mechanical engineering degree. Um, So... With that being said, uh, it sounded to me, and I haven't listened to the interview yet either. I don't know where I got this, if it was a tweet on Twitter or where I got it, but it sounded to me like he was just ready to kind of take it easy for a while. Uh, Being a crew chief and and going week after week after week for year after year after year uh, in the uh, NASCAR circuit can be grueling. So I could see where somebody could just have their toe of it at a certain point and say, it's time for me to hang up that. And who knows, maybe it was the next-gen car coming out next year that has kind of spurred that, and maybe he's known for a while and decided to just make the announcement now. Uh, So I think there's a lot of unknowns here. We're speculating quite a bit, but uh, he is certainly going to be missed. Uh, within NASCAR and has been a very successful uh, crew chief uh, in NASCAR. So with that, Andy, we'll come back to you. Yeah, and, you know, while he'll be missed by a lot of people, you know, probably certainly Team Penske, who he's been a part of for several years now, um, he's going out on his own terms. And I think that's a really big deal because when it comes to NASCAR or motorsports in general, whether it be a driver, a crew chief engineer, any crew member, more often than not, um, they don't always get to go out on their own terms, you know, and usually find themselves on the outside looking in. So for Todd to be able to have the career that he's had winning a championship and a Daytona 500. And he's been around a long time. I remember him being a Bush series crew chief for, I think it was PPC racing back in the early two thousands or the mid two thousands. He's been around a long, long time. Uh, I think over a 20 year career. So um, for him to have the career and the success that he's had uh, as a championship crew chief, uh, you know, to be able to say, I want to go out this year. I want to be able to retire at this point in my in, of time in my career and be able to go do something else or spend more time with family, you know, big, 
big props to him for being able to go out on his own and do what he wants to do on his own terms. So uh, you certainly have to respect that. And if this is the right time for him and his family, then, then that's what he needs to do. So, um, you know, a, a successful and illustrious career. And the good thing too is he can enjoy the second half of the season and uh, go out, you know, on his own terms and, and have some fun with it. So, um, you know, I hadn't heard either about the next-gen car being more engineer-driven. I'm not surprised to hear mm-hmm. it for the simple fact that, you know, this is all new technology, and certainly as time goes on, uh, engineering, computers, and technology and science take more of a role than we've seen in the past. But, um, yeah, to your point, Sharon, obviously with a with an engineering degree, um, I tend to think this was more of a personal decision and um, – I had seen on Twitter where Rodney Childers kind of jokes that it was a, a really good winner to to be retiring from when you consider the entire fleet changeover of vehicles that all these teams and crews have to go through. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, props to Todd for the career he's had and for being able to do it on his own and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how he can finish things off with Blaney this year. Okay, up next is uh, Jake for your wrap, your uh, follow-up. Well, first, first, first give, give a shout-out to Owen there for bringing up PPC Racing, uh, pulling from the old knowledge bank there. Um, when I look at it, uh, you know, again, Sharon said it's speculation. He hasn't said as to why the decision was made, and he doesn't have to. Uh, it is his decision made, and it gives us something to talk about. And being that Mike isn't here, I'm going to try and represent him a little bit, not necessarily negatively, but the the conspiracy or black helicopters. We've seen in the past three years the crew chief change between Keslowski and Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano. Uh, I know not everybody was fully happy with that when it happened. They've made it work. It's been successful. But now you got Brad Keselowski, who we'll talk about separately, 99% leaving uh, Penske. And now you have Todd Gordon. Uh, it seems to me that maybe there is something internal that, uh, you know, I like to use the phrase, the rats jumping off the sinking ship. We talked about it with Stuart Haas Racing as another one. So to me, to me, it seems like uh, Penske may be uh, losing uh, losing some key players, and it's got to make you wonder why. Okay. Owen, you're up next. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. I, I mean, I didn't know about his uh, Clemson engineering background, so that's definitely good to know. But I think just in general, it's it's interesting to think about how the next-gen car is going to change NASCAR and just looking at the possible future of NASCAR. I've heard, I mean, I know that recently I did read an article that they are looking at a possible all-electric series in the future. Um, it's just kind of a, a trend as to the way the sport is going, going more technology-based, more science-based. And I, I'm really, even if that's not behind Todd Gordon leaving, I'm really looking at that as, something that's going to affect decisions in NASCAR for the next few 5, 10, 15 years even uh, between drivers, crew chiefs, team owners, as just to how they want to spend their time and how they want to spend their money. So if that is the reason behind this, I think that's going to be interesting to look at uh, whether or not it causes any other people to make the same type of decision. 
Yeah, I kind of wish some of us had, uh, <laughs> at least one of us had actually listened to the interview. Has anybody actually heard the interview of the group that's here no, tonight? I, I haven't. No, I, fo- I followed uh, what you had put up with, was a tweet, uh, I think it was from Mike Bagley on the morning drives. Uh, and I don't know if yeah. they had interviewed him this morning or if they had just taken words from him. And the stuff I referenced was other people speculating. I'll make that clear of it, the, the whole concern about the next and car, and that might be why he was backing away. That was their discussion on speculation. I don't know if it was based off of something he said or not. Um, like I said, I think he makes a weekly appearance show on Tuesday mornings on the morning drive. So I'm going to try and catch it there, make sure I catch tomorrow's morning drive just to uh, to see when he does his normal appearance. Okay, yeah, they do have the interview up at J-Skis if anybody wants uh, to listen to it uh, of our listeners. But uh, I guess none of us have really had the chance yet to actually hear that interview. Uh, I'd be curious to listen to the interview to hear what he has to say during the interview about why he's leaving. Um, but like I said, I don't know if it was a tweet I saw, but it just sounded like he said he was – and people will sometimes say one thing uh, and there's something else behind it. But he, he sounded like he was just ready uh, to take the retirement. Uh, and it will be interesting, too. Uh, because to the point of saying one thing now and meaning something different, um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up somewhere else next season. Um, at this point, I, I, I guess it doesn't sound like he will, uh, but uh, you just never really know because sometimes things change after they say something. So I don't have a whole lot more to add other than that. So, Andy, you get the final word on this one. Yeah, I don't have any follow-up either, Sharon, so uh, we'll head on to the next one. Okay, Jay, that means you're up. All right, well, I think you had posted this, Sharon, so we'll go with uh, Ty Gibb. You're going to be running a fifth entry, uh, Xfinity Series entry now, a fifth one for... And Joe Gibbs Racing running fifth at Trinity entry at Road America for Ty Gibbs. Here we go. Got it all out right now. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. So, uh, Owen, what are your thoughts about that? I think anything they can do to get Ty Gibbs in an Xfinity car is a smart move. Uh, I mean, that kid is absolutely ahead of his years in terms of driving talent. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not even a, a fan of Joe Gibbs racing. And when I saw uh, Ty Gibbs behind the wheel, uh, I think it was at the Daytona road course, I was kind of scoffing at it. I thought it was a joke. I was thinking about, you know, nepotism and Joe Gibbs putting family member behind the wheel. Then, of course, he goes out and outduels Austin Sindrick, and now all of a sudden I kind of like the kid. And I, I'm annoyed at myself for it, but his talent shows, and uh, – Every single time he's on the track, he's been right there at the end of the race with a chance to win. We saw it again at Pocono, so put him in an extra car. Uh, I mean, when you got Kyle Busch in the 54, you're not going to take him out for an 18-year-old, but if they can get him in that 81, he'll have a competitive ride. I have no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, That brings us to Andy. 
Yeah, along the lines of, of really what Owen just said, um, you know, good opportunity for him to to get some more track time. Not that he needs it necessarily, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll admit I've been frustrated with him this year. I mean, uh, you know, obviously battling my guy Chase Briscoe at Charlotte, and you know, uh, got loose and, and spun out. But you know, in hindsight, after thinking about that rationally, that was a racing incident, right? And there wasn't a blatant uh, you know, there wasn't blatant wrecking or anything like that. But the point is here that, uh, you know, Ty Gibbs is an immense talent. Uh, it's hard not to respect what he's been able to do this year. And, and I think Mike's brought it up a couple times. Um, he's outrunning his teammates, all of them. Um, Harrison Burton, Daniel Hemrick, and Brandon Jones. He's consistently outperforming them every single time he gets in the race car. And to me, that says a lot because those are not bad drivers. Those are good drivers. Those are good teammates he has. However, Ty Gibbs is just that much far ahead in terms of his his talent and his abilities. Uh, I, it's incredible, and I know we always look for that next up-and-coming driver, and certainly uh, the Cup Series is a huge difference from Xfinity or any other series, so I can't say that he'd necessarily jump in a Cup car and do what he's doing. But I think for where he's at age-wise and talent-wise, he's way ahead of where an 18-year-old should be. And I think that if he were to get into a full-time Xfinity car next year, uh, the series probably needs to look out. It's going to be tough to beat him. Um, I look at you know recent years of drivers like Cole Custer and, and Cindric and Briscoe, and, and Gibbs is right there with what those guys have been doing. So... Um, just an incredible talent, and I think that, uh, like Owen said, anytime you can put him in a car to get more experience, he's going to do well. And I think that uh, he's already proven he can win on a road course. He did that in ARCA just a few weeks ago at uh, Mid-Ohio, I believe it was. And so I do think that, you know, even though it's a fifth entry, it should be noted that um, Chris Gale and I believe the 54 crew are actually going to be operating the 81 car. Mark McFarland and the Archer crew that uh, usually works with Gibbs are actually going to run the 54 this weekend. So he, Chai's going to be with a familiar voice on the radio and a uh, his normal crew that he would normally have. So um, I think that he'll be able to jump in a fifth GGR car and, and do well and probably be there for the win. So um, he's one of those names that if he shows up on the entry list, it's a hard it's hard not to pick him, you know, for our fantasy purposes if we're thinking about getting some points. So, um, yeah, awesome opportunity for him to get in a, a car for an extra race and um, someone we're going to have to watch out for because uh, the talent's very, very obvious. Okay, yes, the talent is very obvious, especially when you consider – uh, there's 16 races in the Xfinity Series. Ty Gibbs has raced eight of those races, and in eight of those races, he's got two victories already. He's below the cut line, uh, so I guess I'd be curious to know uh, what your guys' are, thoughts are about that in relation to the Grant Infinger conversation that we just had. I know he's planning a part-time schedule. He's not planning a full-time schedule in the series this year, so uh, that pretty much answers the question. But uh, it's just amazing that in eight races he has two wins, 25% wins, win uh, percentage there. So that just speaks to 
uh, the talent that this guy has. It, it really is amazing. And um, uh, NASCAR, you know, this is perfectly within the rules that they can uh, uh, do this and uh, run a fifth car. And it is at Road America, so that road experience is going to be really good for him in that number 54 car. Uh, actually, Gibbs is going to be in the 81 car. Kyle Busch uh, is going to be in the uh, number 54 car. So, um, uh, again, Gibbs will have Chris Gale as his crew chief, and Mark McFarlane is going to be the crew chief for Kyle Busch in the number 54. So that's kind of interesting, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think the guy's tremendously talented, uh, I can't wait to see what he does on the road course. Uh, didn't he win the road course at uh, Daytona? So I think he's pretty good on the road courses. So it should be interesting to see what he does. So, Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm, I'm curious as to how I can have so many thoughts in my head and, and ready to talk about them, and you pull almost every one of them from me, Sharon. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm curious about. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned he's got eight races versus the 16 uh, that everybody else has, and, and he's 16th in points. Down through 33rd, you have drivers that have made 13 starts, as many as 13. So he is, again, top half of the field with half as many races. Uh, you know, you question of whether or not they should be doing this. A, normally we've seen it in the past, you rush a driver along too early and think they got the talent. You don't have to think he's got the talent. He's proven it. You know, jumping into the Xfinity Series uh, in his first start, getting that victory on the Daytona road course, wasn't a fluke. He has backed it up, picked up another victory. Second this past weekend at, at Pocono. Uh, in the Arkham Menard Series, I believe his average finish is two-point-something. I don't have that pulled up, but he's finishing one-two. Him and Corey Heimer are the two that are winning or finishing second behind the other one. So there is no reason to not do it at this point. You know, we talk about in years past whether Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, William Byron, these guys were ready to move up, you know, and if they're backing it up, then by all means. it's a, The question comes in is if they're top 10 drivers on a regular basis, whether or not they're ready until they're winning races on a regular basis, which he is, you know, or top two, like I said. So, yeah, uh, you know, and, and Gibbs said that at the beginning of the year when they first announced his schedule, how many they had for him. They said we're going to try and get more uh, as we can, and obviously sponsorship uh, should be jumping all over it if they want to be on a winning team. So I do find it interesting, as Andy pointed out and Sharon read back there, that, and I, and I can't help but think of the mic with the 5 and the 48 team here, but yes, it is the 81 car number on the side of it, but it is the 54 team that he's been running with all year. You know, and I think that's a smart decision for a young driver like him to keep him with the same team. Kyle's going to run Kyle's race, and, and his his ability speaks for itself as well, to be able to jump into a, a different team and perform to that level. Uh, not that we haven't seen Gibbs do it by coming up occasionally with that team, but I think that's a smart decision, keeping him with the more consistent team. And I think they're setting him up for next year. As Andy said, I, I think he's your championship contender already for next year. 
Okay, Owen, you're up next. Yeah, actually, uh, I think, Sharon, your, uh, your mention of the Enfinger argument in this is something I wanted to talk about as well, because I think it's interesting with Ty Gibbs running at ARCA, he's still able to record Xfinity points because it's not one of the three uh, NASCAR series. Because if he was running in uh, trucks in Xfinity, he'd only be able to run points for one of them. But he's getting points in both series. Obviously, he's not eligible for the Xfinity playoffs because he's only run half the races. But this is where it's kind of interesting of where you draw the line in that scenario. Is there a certain number of races that you draw the line at? Is it how many different vehicle or how many different teams the guys running with? Uh, whether or not they've won a race, where they are in the points, um, it, it's just difficult to kind of put all of that together. But a Ty Gibbs scenario where the guy's running half the races and still winning two of them, uh, it'd be difficult to I think decline him a waiver if he was in the Grant Enfinger situation of having only missed one race and say maybe he has another win or another two wins, it would be very difficult to decline a four-win Ty Gibbs a waiver if he'd run 15 out of the 16 races. Uh, that's just my two cents on that one. Um, not that I'm saying it's right, but I do think that the situation would be different Ty Gibbs than if it was Grant Enfinger. Okay, Andy, you're up. Uh, I don't have any follow-up. I think I'm okay on this one. Okay, yeah. I kind of brought that up, I guess, because uh, some of the arguments that you guys were making for Grant Infinger, some of those same arguments could be said for for uh, Ty Gibbs, uh, for that matter. Uh, but what he's got going against him is the fact that he's, he, he's not running the full schedule. So, But the arguments are there. <laughs> for him to be included if he were able to get the sponsorship. The arguments are there for him to be uh, given a waiver. Uh, and I'd say the same thing is true for Josh Berry with his one win. Uh, and he's not running a full schedule either. But uh, anyway, I, I just think it's an interesting uh, comparison between the two. Uh, but I'm kind of taking it in reverse of what Owen was saying. Uh, because Owen, I think, was saying if it was Ty Gibbs in Grant Infinger's position, he he would he would probably be given that um, uh, that waiver without any doubt. So anyway, it's 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 just an interesting scenario to compare those two situations. So Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I don't understand how Andy can be so quiet on this. And I know we have had this discussion. I think it started, but I don't know which one it started between Josh Berry and, and then Tom Gibbs. Uh, Josh Berry, 14th in points, has run 14 of the races, of the 14 of the 16 Xfinity Series races with, uh, let's see, yeah, he's sitting in 14th in points as well and does have the victory. If you're going to talk about that, I think, in this case, Barry would have the one, a stronger case to be made because he is attempting to find rides in other cars, you know, uh, and, and run as many races as he can. Ty Gibbs is, is going after the Arkham Menard Series championship, and they really did intend on only having him do, and I don't remember what his original number was of how many races they were going to run. I want to say it was 15 for the year. 
Um, yeah, they're adding them in here for whatever reason. They picked up sponsorship or whatever. Josh Berry is out there getting rides in other cars and running competitively in them. So that's where I think the difference was. And in this case, uh, Ty Gibbs, I would not even be able to make an argument for as far as being eligible. Because, again, yeah, he does have the two wins, but he's run half the races. Josh Berry has missed two. Uh, one was a road course, and I don't remember where the other one was, that they brought a road course driver in to the number eight and now are turning that team over to Sam Mayer for the rest of the year now that he's eligible. Uh, I would make a stronger case for, for Barry uh, following in lines behind Enfinger where he's at in points and being there all but two of the races versus half. And, and I have some experience with dirt series, uh, street stock series that I was a part of. If you have a driver, and I'd say take Kyle Busch, uh, as my example, I know at the national top three level, you can't do points in more than one series. But if Kyle Busch were to jump, drop down to the Arkham Menard series or the a late model series, he could show up three or four times out of the year, win the races, and have more points um, or wins than anybody else, but isn't really there full time. And that's what NASCAR is trying to avoid. And I think it stems back from going back to when you had – teams that would bring in a road course ringer for a particular race or a, a super speedway racer maybe. Uh, road courses normally get have a little more leeway towards the, the ringer. But prevents a team from doing that of putting one particular driver in for one or two particular races to get that win and get them eligible for the playoffs. So I think that's where, to me, Gibbs would fall under that. Barry, like I said, I think you could make a stronger case for right up close to Grant Enfinger. But I, in, the, in the Xfinity Series here, for those two, I would have to actually say I wouldn't approve either one of them. Barry, again, depends on how many more uh, spots he fills in uh, before the end of the year. But uh, like I said, that, that would it'd be tougher to make that case versus Grant Enfinger because Grant Enfinger only missed one. It was the second race of the year. Since then, he's been on it every week. Okay. Interesting conversation. Uh, Owen, we're back to you if you want to bring up another topic. Oh, man, I got to think about this one. Um, okay. Oh, okay, here we go. I will go back to my favorite team to talk about and go to Stuart Haas Racing because they're finally starting to put a little bit of something together. They actually had some speed at Nashville they had some speed this weekend in the doubleheader at Pocono. Almirola got his first top five at Nashville, and he probably would have finished top ten, maybe even top five, if not for the fuel mileage run at the end at Pocono. Uh, is SHR turning a corner? And if so, what are the realistic expectations for them uh, for the second half of the season? Okay. Andy. Well, incidentally, that's my favorite team to talk about. So, yeah, I'd like to think that they're turning a corner. I know Mike and I kind of debated this a little bit in the race day chat because I did bring up the fact at Nashville that all four cars had speed. They all were, even if they didn't finish there, they were all top ten capable, and that's the only time we've really seen that this year. But that was just one race, and that was also the low down for 750 package. And if you look at the overall trends this year, of how they've been running, they've been better at the 750 tracks. The finishes don't necessarily show for it. I can say 
my personal vested interest is the 14, and they've been a lot better at the 750 tracks than their results show, and I think that's the case overall for SHR. However, um, that, that's one of the powerhouse teams, and I don't think you can hold them back forever. I do think that they're going to figure some things out, and I know the car will be obsolete after this year, so I don't know how much R&D and, and time they're going to spend into trying to make things better, but certainly making the playoffs and trying to win a championship means something, even if it is only with one of their four cars. And they're not going to just run around for the sake of running around. They're going to try to make something happen to get better. Uh, we still have half a season to go. There's a lot of racing left. And I, I think that, you know, I, I think that they will probably strive to get better through the summer and whoever they can get into the playoffs will probably run better. You would think anyway, um, certainly hasn't been the year. I think they or anyone thought they'd have, but, um, they are showing some signs of life. Um, additionally, uh, in addition to the Nashville speed, um, the 14 had some really good speed. I thought at Texas for the open. So I, I think they're starting to slowly figure some stuff out and probably get back a lot of whatever it was they lost over the off season. So, um, you know, will are they remotely close to the level of, of Hendrick or Penske or Gibbs? No, they're not. And I think, we all know that, but, you know, they get a lot of people that work there, a lot of smart people, and they are a team that has the resources to get better. And, you know, this is a bit of a sub-topic, if you will, but I don't know that I want to be dominating the series right now because other teams will catch up and, and get better. And as good as we all rave about Hendrick right now, who's, who says that they're still that good in November? So I almost – you know, wouldn't mind being an SHR team that can only get better from here versus a team that's dominating right now. So I don't know. We'll see where they wind up in November and, and how many cars they can even get into the playoffs. I think the realistic chance is the four of Harvick, but um, the short answer of all this, will they get better as the year goes on? Yeah, I think they will. Okay, Jay, you're up. Yeah, I know we touched on this, and Al Marola put it on the, uh, Andy mentioned uh, Cole Custer in the open, Al Marola in the all-star race, that that kind of seemed to be the turning point. We knew, we knew, or all of us had faith, they would figure out what the issue was. I know Harvick puts it back on, again, the wheel well fender issue that kind of set them back. It, it seemed to affect Ford most of all, specifically Stuart Haas Racing, um, when you talk about Kevin Harvick alone going from nine wins to no wins this year, nine wins last year, none this year so far, uh, again, being a top ten, not a top five, not a winning driver each and every week. Uh, we've seen Harvick's improvement. Andy detailed the uh, 14s there. Almarol is another one over the past three weeks then. We've seen that from, uh, again, maybe not getting the exact finish of where they're running, but uh, I know Almirola is a tough one to utilize because, again, he just seems to, if bad luck is anywhere within 50 miles of the track, he seems to be the one finding it this year. So, but I think there is a lot more speed. I know when we talked about this last time, we wondered whether or not they were more focused. I think Kevin Harvick is the one that made the comment about they're going to come out the gate strong with the new car next year, and they commented this as a throwaway year. Uh, it almost kind of seemed like maybe it was to them, I, I, and I find it hard to believe that especially a four-car team like that would 
totally throw away a season. Um, but it didn't seem like it. But, again, I go back to the, the rule change or that NASCAR tightened up on really did seem to affect them and their speed a lot more than any other team. And I think they are now kind of figuring it out. As, like I said, we, we knew they would. Uh, how long it took, that uh, was kind of interesting, we, a little surprising even, if you will, that it has taken them this long. Um, but that they were going to. Uh, as I say, I don't think any organization is going to just let a whole season go away like that. Now, uh, again, let me throw in for Mike. He pointed it out, I think, last week when we talked about it. Stuart Haas was finally at the racetrack with his team, so maybe Stuart coming in and said, hey, get your stuff right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Jay, you brought up a lot of my points. <laughs> So, but oh, I do good. have one more to add. <laughs> I do have one more though here to uh, bring up, and I brought it up before, but I'm going to kind of just state it here. I, I do think it's a possibility that they will get better during the tin race playoff, and that's because last year my dog wants to play with me all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, last year, Heather Carver came out with all those wins in the beginning of the season and then had a rough time during the, um, during the 10 race playoff. So now <laughs> uh, I could see him kind of taking it, I'm not taking it easy, but using the time to learn a lot of things during the regular season and then coming out like Tony Stewart did a few years back where he won five of the 10 races that's what I think we could see from Kevin Arvick this year. Um, for Stuart Haas Racing as a whole, uh, I think that uh, whatever Harvick is doing, somehow it's not translating to the other drivers. Uh, because we have seen Harvick racing up toward the front. But again, I, I kind of sense, too, that he might be using this time to really learn so he can come out gangbusters during the during the uh, playoff. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that happens. Uh, but last year he peaked real early and waned off. This year I think it's going to be the exact opposite. I just have that feeling uh, that that could happen for Kevin Harvick more so than Stuart Haas as a whole. But uh, I would like to see some of his success kind of start to uh, filter back to the rest of the teams because he's the leader of that group right now, and uh, it should be filtering back to the other teams. So, uh, Owen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of think that that forecast would be accurate. Um, I mean, looking at HR, the hope obviously is that they will turn it around to the point where Harvick can at least have a decent playoff run. But I'd also, I also don't think it can be completely discounted that one of those other three could sneak a win out um, at Daytona. I mean, the regular season finale is at a super speedway. Anything can happen. Uh, Al Marola mm-hmm. showed he can win at super speedways, and you can't count out the 41 or the 14 either. And I think El Marola like it's been touched on, his horrible luck this year has kind of taken away a few decent runs. And I think when you look at how his season has gone, you know, if a few things break differently for him, he doesn't get taken out early at Bristol in the dirt race. If he doesn't lose his entire front hood at Martinsville, if he doesn't have a vibration at Talladega, if he doesn't wreck at Darlington or at Dover, uh, he, 
he could be in a position where if SHR actually finds some speed that he could have pointed into the playoffs. Um, he's obviously too far out now for that to happen, but um, I don't think that winning Daytona is impossible. There's also a race at Michigan before the playoffs. They go to New Hampshire where Almirola has been good in the past. And I don't think it's completely out of the realm that the 10 could sneak a win. Okay. Uh, Andy, your thoughts and follow-up. Hey, Sharon. Sharon, you want to keep an eye on the time? What? I say you want to keep an eye on the time there? Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, let me go ahead and uh, do the spiel. Thank you very much, uh, Jay. We are coming up to the 10.30 hour, uh, 10.30 mark of our show, and we do go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, for those people that are tuning in for the first time, it may come as a surprise to you if we go off the air and we're still talking and midstream in the thought. Uh, just know that we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation, and that part of our show it will be part of our podcast and uh, as part of our bonus overtime material. So what I do is I go out on Twitter uh, as soon as we get done here, and I will let people know that the podcast is now available. And you just go to one of our players, either on, on Blog Talk Radio or at com, and you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. So, again, we'd just like to alert anybody who might be a new listener tonight uh, so that there's no surprises when we go off the air and we're still in the middle of a conversation. So uh, with that, um, was, it, was it Andy that we went to next? Yeah, for the follow-up. and um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that at the end of the day that you'll see some things change throughout the second half of the season. Um, we don't generally see the same team dominate for an entire season. We see teams be good for the entire season, but I do think other teams will get better, um, and that includes Stuart Haas Racing. So, it, you know, certainly it's been a year of struggles, but um, – there's certainly time to to get things turned around and salvage the second half of the season. Okay, Jay. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what kind of strides they do make, uh, whether, like Sharon said, Harvick Harvick becomes the closer in the playoffs. Uh, Right now, though, I look at it as I think the one they got to worry about as far as Hendrick Motorsports needs to worry about is Kyle Busch because we have seen him turn it on as of recent here. Uh, so I think that's where right now that, that team, the 18 of Joe Gibbs Racing, at least by themselves, has certainly flipped that switch and said, hey, we're tired of getting beat. We're going to catch you. Uh, Stuart Haas, like I said, is trending upward. It's definitely been that way in the last three weeks. Uh, see if they can continue to build on that, uh, which I feel that they do. They're Again, they're, they are a top organization with uh, Ford, so – um, see how, what level they do get to, and, and I'm with Sharon. Of it, it can't always be about one team with with Harvick, and we've seen that in the past with actually with Hendrick Motorsports. Like they could get one good team, and then a couple of others solid but not great. You know, they've put it together where they got all four. Joe Gibbs has done it where they've had all four as top tier teams. Uh, Stuart Haas has never really had that. It's always been. 
Harvick and then the 14 when Clint Boyer was in there. Amarola had a couple of good seasons and stretches, but to have all four running uh, top 10 competitively week in and week out, uh, they've never really seemed to have that. So, yeah, there might be something there. And I know some of the things is, is you know, Harvick is a high-quality driver, you know, you talk about other teams even watching some of the things he, he's doing, whether or not he's sharing information. And I think of Phoenix of how he ran that track and the line he'd run. That other team said, hey, we went down there and tried it. We just couldn't do it. You know, it's in the driver himself because we couldn't do it. So uh, some of that, they may not be able to transfer over to the other team. But I do think they need to get at least where the four teams are the same level, and then it's the driver that picks it up. And I don't think they are at this point. Okay. So with that, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add to what I've already said and what's already been said. So, Owen, I'm going to let you have the last word here. I think it has to be kept in mind that there is, it's really a super long season in NASCAR. I mean, 36 races is a long, long time. And, I mean, we've already seen kind of the ebbs and flows of the season in, what, 19 races so far. And I know Hendrick has dominated for the past eight, nine races, but they weren't at the beginning of the year. And it seemed like at the beginning of the year that Penske was going to be the team to beat. And now they're uh, struggling to even stay in the top ten. So (laughs) things are definitely going to change. Um, it's probably wishful thinking for me to think that another SHR car could sneak in, but again, I'm not going to completely discount it, and I find it impossible to believe that they won't at least see some kind of upturn. Uh, seeing them, I think, 25th, 27th, 28th in the standings just doesn't sit right. And yeah, after nine wins last year, there's no way Harvick goes winless. It's just not happening. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, we can continue on for a little bit here if anybody has uh, more hot topics. So I'll just kind of throw it out there. Andy, do you have any other hot topics? I do not. I am uh, good to go. Okay. What about you, Jay? Oh, I got four or five if we want to throw them out there. You know that. <laughs> um <laughs> one, one I looked at, uh, and I almost brought this up last week already, as Kyle Larson got hot, Denny Hamlin is kind of cooled off. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing, it appears, is kind of picking their their game back up a little bit. But the – and I just had it up. Pull it back up. Um, at one point, I think it was a 144-point lead, although Hamlin didn't have the win. He was the points leader by 144 points. It is now a two-point difference. If I'm reading that right, yeah, two points from him to Kyle Larson. If he isn't the regular season champion, he's not going to get those bonus points that we talk about as far as going into the playoffs, which he kind of needs because he doesn't really. He's got two stage wins. I'm sorry, five stage wins. So five playoff points. Kind of needing those 15 to to kind of get caught back up with these guys that have wins. So how much does that affect his season if he comes off the uh, top of the board as a points leader? You're talking Denny Hamlin, right? Yes. Okay. Owen? 
Yeah, this is really interesting to look at in terms of the playoff situation for Hamlin, just because, like you said, he's no longer the points leader. He doesn't have that in terms of not having a win. Um, there, I mean, there are seven races left in the regular season, and there would have to be, I guess, six more different winners to knock Hamlin out of the playoffs. Or no, five more different winners if he's not. Yeah, five more different winners. So I guess looking down the board, some guys that I think could be threats to win. Harvick, obviously. I think both RCR cars, Dylan and Reddick, have been had some race-winning speed. Kurt Busch, um, even someone like Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace, Matt Benedetto, And I'm looking at Ross Chastain in 22nd in that 42 car. He has had some serious speed as of late. He seems to be figuring some things out after a rough start. I think if anybody outside of the top 16 is going to grab a win and sneak themselves in, it's probably either going to be the 47 or the 42. Stenhouse, just because he has those races where he is ridiculously fast for the equipment he's in, he always seems to be running a little higher than he probably should be. And Chastain, just because he he's hot. Uh, Chip Ganassi seems to be turning a corner with Kurt Busch here in the past few weeks as well. So it, I think it's possible that we could see Hamlin slide out. I think it's extremely unlikely, especially given that we've still had the same 11 winners for the past month and a half or so. But uh, it will definitely be intriguing to see what happens if he loses that buffer of having the points lead. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't see Hamlin being bumped out at this point. Um, My over-16 winner prediction is long since gone, thanks to Kyle Larson. Um, And I don't think Larson's (laughs) done winning a bunch of these races this summer. I I suspect that, uh, you know, Larson's going to keep checking off the win column. And in doing so, it puts drivers like Harvick and Hamlin, who are really good on points, uh, in a position where they they really probably don't even need to think twice about making the playoffs. So, um, no, I don't I don't really at this point see any surprise winners, except for maybe Daytona. And at that point, that's just one, you know, one team that would get their way into the playoffs. Um, obviously, can easily be proven wrong in that statement at some point. But I just find it hard to believe that you're going to beat the the five or I mean really the Hendrick cars right now certainly have the speed to win on a weekly basis and it's in particular the five so I don't know I I think that if you're Harvick and Hamlin and maybe a couple of of those other cars you're you're probably sleeping pretty well most nights right now well I do think that Hamlin will be in the top 16. I think he'll secure his way into the playoffs. Hopefully he'll get a win before it's all said and done. But if Larson continues winning uh, like he's been uh, doing up until this past weekend, I think that uh, it could put Larson, it could put Hamlin at jeopardy of winning the regular season championship. Uh, Kyle Larson is just two points out right now. So uh, another win, and he's going to be at the top of that list, and he could end up being the regular season champion. And Denny Hamlin just goes down the list as a driver who doesn't have wins. Um, And he'll fall into line then when the regular season begins. Uh, So I think that that is in jeopardy. 
as far as uh, surprise winners, uh, I think it is possible that we could get somebody who comes up with a surprise win, and if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen at Daytona, uh, which is the last race before the, the playoffs begin. Uh, and that's going to tell us who who the 16 drivers are going to be. Uh, and I think it's I, I think we're going to see some really hard racing between those bubble drivers, those guys that aren't secured with a win. Uh, those bubble drivers are really going to be pushing uh, to try to get that win at uh, Daytona. And some of these guys are pretty good at Daytona. So Austin Dillon right now doesn't have a win, and he could end up getting a win. Uh, so there's drivers that are currently above the cut line that could be doing it too, um, could, could be getting a win at Daytona. Uh, it, it, it all makes it very interesting and compelling to watch to find out what is going to happen. But uh, I do think these next few races are going to be important for Denny Hamlin. He's going to have to start doing whatever he's got to do to win. Uh, in order to to stay up there, but even with a win, that gives him five more playoff points. Um, it might help him keep that points lead for another another week. But either he's going to have to go on a streak like Kyle Larson is, or Kyle or Kyle Larson's going to take it over. The way I see it. So, Jay, we're back to you. Yeah, I, I wasn't saying him dropping completely out of the playoffs. I don't see that happening uh, no, by any means. Not, it is possible, but I'm more so of of going into the playoffs once they re- recede. Yeah, he he. If you were counting on those 15 bonus points as being the regular season champion, uh, kinda sets him back up. At the beginning of the year, again, we expected him to eventually win. He was top three every week. We haven't seen that from him lately. And if you're going to lose points by not being the regular season champion when it comes to playoff time, I know we're, we're seven races uh, short of that, but now we're seeing the cream rising to the top. Kyle Larson went in a lot. Kyle Busch is up there now. Uh, Alex Bowman been very consistent as of late. You know, to, So to move on in each round, you either want to have some points to fall back on if you have that bad day. And that's where I, I got a little bit of concern for Hamlin Initially, we thought he really would be uh, one of the top ones going in as far as seeding, either getting a win or falling back on the 15 points for winning the regular season championship. And it, like I said, it went from 144 points, I believe, down to what it is, minus two now between him and Kyle Larson. And I just think that could be kind of a blow. And we've seen that before of, of Danny Hamlin uh, maybe not taking a, a setback all the, all the best. So... I'd hate to see that happen. Him and Harvick, again, I wish I could see the odds on from going last year into this year of neither Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin having a win yet of what the Vegas odds were on that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so, Owen, your follow-up. Yeah, I, I uh, think that the way these playoffs are shaping up, I think that kind of the conversation we were going back to earlier about which team is hot at the right time is going to matter a lot more than anything that's going on now. I think Hamlin may lose a little bit of ground just by giving up that first spot, but looking at the standings right now, he has about a 60, 
70-ish point buffer to William Byron in third, so I don't think he'll lose too much ground in terms of getting those bonus points going into the playoffs. Obviously, I think he'd love a win or two uh, before the playoffs actually begin to give himself a little more of a buffer going into the round of 16, but I think as long as he stays top two, top three in points, uh, as long as Joe Gibbs is hot and he's still able to run in the top five, top ten on a weekly basis, Hamlin will be a threat. Um, I'm not going to say that I think this is the year he breaks his championshipless curse, but uh, I'm not going to count it out either. Okay. Andy? Uh, I don't have any follow-up. Yeah, the, and it occurs to me, too, what's to say that, that Denny Hamlin, it might not be the same, it may be the same thing as what I was talking about with Kevin Harvick, uh, that he could be using this regular part of the season to be learning a lot of things and come on strong during the chase uh, and roll off with a whole bunch of wins. So I, I do think he'll be uh, one of the contenders when the, when the uh, uh, playoffs begin. But uh, I do think he's in jeopardy of you losing the regular season champion unless he starts uh, uh, rolling off with wins or, or uh, at least racing better than Kyle Larson at this point. Um, but that's all that I have to add. So, Jay, you get the final word here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, like I said, right now it seems like Kyle Busch, with the exception of Hendrick Motorsports, Kyle Busch seems to be one, the one that have turned up the wick on him, at least here, uh, as of late, whether the rest of the Joe Gibbs Racing teams can follow suit. Uh, Denny Hamlin eh, or Martin Truex being the next one in line. I think, again, consistency-wise, I think it's been Hamlin, uh, but doesn't have the win, whereas Truex has, what, two or three. So... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that spreads throughout the team, just like we talked about Stuart Haas racing. You have one driver that's doing good. How does that spread throughout the rest of the Jogi Racing organization? All good points. Um, so, Owen, did you have any other topics you want to make sure we hit on? I think I'm good for tonight. I think if I try to come up with any more, my brain is going to explode. <laughs> Okay, Jay. Well, I'll th- I'll throw one more out there and and just see if we can explode Owen's uh, brains because this w- wouldn't have anything to do with analytics. Well, it might. He might be able to bring something to it. Uh, we've we've known essentially known for a while that the deal was possible. It still hasn't been officially announced that Brad Keselowski is going to go to Roush Fenway Racing. But Roush Fenway is telling their partners so, making it all but official uh, of what the reason is of, you know, if if you're telling your partners and your sponsors, why aren't you making the announcement? That's a very good question. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, Jay, that's a good point. And I I believe I read on uh, Twitter from either – Pocaris or somebody, I can't be quoted on this right now because it's not in front of me, but um, they are waiting till September. I think that might be some clause in a contract or a respect decision or something along those lines. It may have been out of respect to Team Penske. Uh, I'm not sure, but I had read that they're, they're going to hold out a couple more months before they talk about this, and it's either a team driver 
um, decision. I'm not really sure. A contract decision, I don't know. But um, probably hear about this sometime in September. Okay, Owen? Yeah, even before Andy said the thing about the contract, my first guess about this was going to be that it was probably just something written down saying that, you know, if you're going to another team, at least wait until so-and-so date to announce that you're leaving. It's probably something with sponsorship connections or something that has to do with money, uh, money rules, sports, and especially NASCAR with all the sponsorship and how much influence they have. And um, I think it probably does have something to do with just, uh, you know, giving these sponsors at Team Penske time to kind of look at maybe – you know, what they want to do for next year as well. I'm sure that with everything that's been going on that he probably knows as well. I'm sure they do. I'm sure that they know that Keselowski is gone and they've probably been able to make these uh, other people around their team aware. Uh, but there's there's got to be something in the contract that's keeping them from making an official announcement. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um, and I'll just put my ditto on to what Andy and, and Owen have already said. Uh, but it is curious that they're, they're so vocal about telling the partners and advertising that they told the partners. And uh, and that's probably more media than it is uh, Rush Fenway. But, uh, and maybe it's the partners that are leaking it out there. But uh, everybody seems to know at this point, <laughs> and uh, it's it's pretty much a done deal. So unless it's the it's the longest uh, April Fool's joke ever, uh, I think we can expect this to happen. Jay. Yeah, you almost said the word for word. The cat's out of the bag. I mean, you know. That's what I what I don't follow is they've all but said, hey, this is an official announcement. I understand if uh, Roush Fenway is is trying to give respect to Team Penske, but again, it's not like it's not known. You know, I don't know who they're uh, waiting for Penske to tell that doesn't already know it because it's out there. So I understand if you're talking about making a sponsorship announcement as far as say for Brad Keselowski at Roush Fenway. Um, for for waiting a, another couple of months for whatever reason, but as far as actually going and and that I just I don't, I don't understand what what the the holdup is on the official announcement that he is moving uh, from Penske to Roush. You know, sponsorship things aside, that yeah, those might come at a later date, um, but you're not hiding it from anybody anymore. You know, we've, how many times have we talked about this since it, it first came that the speculation or they knew that it, they, that he had talked to Rosh Fenway and the offer was there and it was pretty much going to happen. So I just don't understand why that part hasn't. And to me for Penske should show some respect back then if it is on them. And I'm not saying it is because we don't know where the actual uh, holdup is, but show some respect back and Hey, we're, we all got to move forward, give them the opportunity to do so now uh, you know, make the announcement and form partners, start building uh, sponsorship packages or whatever, uh, which I'm sure they already have, whether it be in secret then, so why not? Uh, like I said, it, it just confuses me as to why they would be able to tell partners and, and their associates that he is, but not make it an official announcement. <laughs> okay. Andy, any follow-up? Uh, no, all set. 
Owen? Um, not even so much as of a follow-up, just more of kind of looking ahead to next year. I'm kind of interested to see if Keselowski will be going to a third Roush Fenway car or if they're sticking him in the sixth maybe as a replacement for Newman. Uh, that can be a topic for another day, but I think that that's just something I've been thinking about is what exactly their plan is, especially since he's becoming a uh, co-owner of the team as well. Yeah, I think it's obvious he's going to be a driver as well as a car owner of the team, a co-owner of the team. Uh, but you're right. It hasn't really been articulated if Newman is out uh, or if uh, Keselowski is going to be added to the equation uh, as one of the drivers added to the existing drivers that are already there. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what does happen there. But uh, I don't have anything other to add. Uh, Jay, you get the final word. Well, again, I can't give a word because I don't understand. Like I said, I just found it interesting that that it was being spread but not officially uh, and just kind of wanted to see what you guys thought. Maybe you had some info, and I'm – sure somewhere there is you're right probably something in a contract somewhere that says hey you can't do something until this date or we approve it uh i just i I don't understand it like i said the cat's out of the bag it definitely is okay let's go ahead and do our round table at this point and uh go around the Uh, table so owen we'll start with you real quick yeah what I was going to say, this, this one is a, isn't a hot topic. I don't know that we need to discuss it, but I would like to give some uh, stats, if you will, uh, for the Fan for, for Racing Fantasy Group. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead. All right. We're going to talk about point or points, minimal points. Uh, on the truck series now following this weekend, Andy is your points leader with 54 points, Sharon at 53 I'm at 52, Mike at 48, Tommy at 46, Owen at 40, Sam 35, James 32. 22 points there, top to bottom. On the Xfinity Series, Andy gets to be mentioned again at 66 points. One point over Mike at 65. Sam's at 60, James 57, I'm at 56, Owen at 50, Tommy 46, Sharon 45. 21 points top to bottom there. And now let me find my cup one back. I have regained a big points lead here on the cup side. I have 100 points. Sam is at 96. One point back is Mike at 95. Uh, Owen's at 85. Sharon, 83. James, 80. Uh, Tommy, 75. And committed to the cause. Andy's got 39 on the cup side. Good thing you're leading the other two series, though. 39? I thought it was like 50-something. <laughs> you know what? i got to look at it. Nah, I will double-check that. That does seem even lower than what I thought, but uh, I will verify that. Uh, the overall, we got no points. Me and Mike are both at 208. And then Sam is at 191, Sharon 181. Owen 175, James 169, Tommy 167, and Andy 159. So I just wanted to give that update real quick. Okay, no problem. 
Uh, let's go ahead and start our roundtable, and uh, Owen, we'll start with you. All right, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at C.S. Stewart, and I will have my post-Pocono doubleheader power rankings coming out here in the next couple of days. Probably not much shake-up at the top, but uh, behind number one, there will be some changes, so tune in. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. Uh, Andy? Well, Jay, to your point, it probably actually is 39, kind of going through it quickly there. But committed to the 14, I believe in him, I believe in the talents. We're going to turn this around second half, so stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, <laughs> CB14 fan on uh, Twitter and um, glad to be on for two shows in a row and uh, hoping to do the same Thursday. So we'll see what happens. Didn't get to watch a lot of the racing this weekend. I got to see some of it, but hoping to uh, partake a little bit more for Road America this weekend. Okay, Jay? I was going to say, I was doing some real quick math across the top of the line there, uh, looking at Andy's line. I actually came up with 37, so uh, it might have given you an extra two points there, but uh, you can follow me on (laughs) Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And looking forward, I still wish I'd have gone home on vacation. Looking forward to uh, both the Cup Series now as well as the Xfinity Series at Road America. Uh, I know I, I think it was Steve Latart said he'd seen some races there but had never been there. And I, I felt the same way prior to going a couple of years back. Okay. Well, that's one of the tracks on my bucket list. I definitely want to get there at some point. Uh, not sure that this year is going to be the year, but uh, at any rate, definitely looking forward to the racing this weekend. Uh, fan for Racing sites on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com. And I'm looking forward to the power rankings. Uh, Owen, just be sure to send me a little note or something so that I know that it's up there uh, so that I can get that out as quick as possible. Um, and uh, I know that... Uh, Jay, are you still working on that McDowell article? Yes, I actually have the full day off tomorrow, so uh, (laughs) look for that in the box by Wednesday. Okay, so there's a couple of articles you can watch for at FanFarRacing.com this week. A big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. And to the FanFarRacing crew, I'm so glad that we've gotten a chance this year to have Owen on the show, as well as Tommy, as uh, uh, along with our regular fans racing crew. Uh, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you for all that you all do. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, so with that, I think we're ready to call it a night. Jay and I will be back next Thursday, or this coming Thursday night, to preview Road America. So stay tuned for that. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.